us, and we're always looking for more support. So if you want to be part of this very generous sangha, um, come and ask me or just sign up online. It's pretty easy. And you get the class. Yay! Hi, Kate Munding. Welcome back. You were just here with all the kidlings. Yay! Kate holds down the fort on many, many, wears many hats here, um, has been has been studying the Dharma for a long time, since 2006, probably even maybe before 2004. Um, she runs the, the youth programs that we have here, the family day programs. Any of you been to one of those amazing days? Yeah, where the, the kids kind of take over. It's um, not quiet in here when they're here, I can tell you that. But she does it, and she does it beautifully, and we're very excited to have her here um, to hold space today for uh, the Women's Day Retreat. And none of these happen enough. So I'm just saying that when you get that um, ability to give some feedback, let the, let development and let uh, programming know that you want to hang more because this is there's 75 of you here today. There's actually more. A uh, few of you signed up today. So we want more days where we get to take over the building. Yay. The building is yours, by the way. So upstairs, downstairs, feel free to make yourselves comfortable in any room that does not have a reserve sign on it. Um, folks, you're welcome to take more chairs out if you need them. Um, there are uh, chairs in those closets, and maybe we need some more chairs. Yay. All right. So um, how many of you are here for the first time? Nice way to spend your Sunday. Yay. Um, the rest of you can probably meditate a little bit because you've heard me say this a bit. But for the rest of you, I'm going to kind of give you an idea of how things run easily around here and join us with any of these that you can. You're going to turn your cell phone off. You will not be recording this class. Um, but you are welcome to take photographs of any of the altars, any of the images, the teacher if you ask permission first, and then tag us on social media because everybody wants to know that you are here today. Assisted hearing devices are on that back wall. You just turn them on, put them on your head and turn them on. They will make the sound um, clearer. There's no other optimal place to sit in the room. The room has already been optimized. So uh, please feel free to use those. Cushions, blankets, kneeling pads, yoga mats, more chairs, floor, uh, sunny space, not so sunny space. You do you. Um, we do appreciate when you help us put away any of the equipment that you, you used. If you are leaving early today, please put your equipment away so that somebody else might be able to use it throughout the day. And again, like I said, all the equipment's in the closet. Yes to food. Um, yes to beverages in the hall. We do ask that you have a lid on the beverage because when these floors get wet, they're really slip slidey. And sometimes we're in like a meditative state. We don't realize we're spilling and then someone steps in it with their bare foot. Not fun. Restrooms, um, both all gender um, and single stall are upstairs and downstairs at the end of the hall. Please feel free to have lunch anywhere in this building, anywhere um, in the meadow, on the patio. And because today is a very special day, there is no retreat happening after 11 a.m. today. So you are welcome to take your lunch and go sit by the big Buddha up the hill. You're welcome to go sit anywhere on the patio outside up, up the hill. And if you don't know what up the hill is, this is your time to go and see where we do silent retreats for five and seven day sits. Um, 
Usually that area is off limits to you. So today, feel free. Just don't use any of the facilities up there. Um, don't hang out in the cafeteria and into in a bedroom or anything like that because they're actually cleaning it because we're probably starting another retreat tomorrow. But do get to go up there because it's pretty beautiful. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Divine Feminine, it's the only way I know how to do it is big. So that's how you're going to get to do it too. The Woodside Deli is open for anyone who forgot your lunch. We can give you directions. Um, tea, snacks, and bookstore are run on the honor system. And the honor system works best if you pay as you go. Just in case, you know, other people are looking, whatever. Um, but the bookstore, should you need change or should you need uh, help in making all of that run, let us know. We're in the office and we're happy to help you figure, figure that out. Bookstore will stay open throughout the day, but I do tend to close it about 15 minutes after the end of the class, just so you know where our head is at. Finally, I'm going to highlight two fabulous, very cool events. One of them um, is called Honoring All Life, Exploring the First Precept of Non-Harming. Um, we don't usually do panel discussions, and this is going to have a six-person panel, including uh, Bob Stahl, James Barris, Tanisara, she's amazing, uh, Tara Brock is coming via video. Yeah, I know. It's a lineup of about eight phenomenal teachers who don't all usually hang out together, and uh, that's going to be happening here on December 7th. And because I'm sure you're all already planning on how to bring in 2020, because we are so over these teens, this 2019, um, really, really over it. In this room, we are going to have a celebration from 7.30 to 12.30. This year we have three brand new teachers, a very um, culturally diverse offering. We have Tisha Bell bringing in crystal bowls, and yesterday he had seven of the 15 that he's going to play. Phenomenal. Um, we have the beautiful Melanie Damore, who's bringing sound and the gullah sticks. We do it in the round. You pound. It's vibrational. It's super intense. It gets rid of all the dukkha. And then if the dukkha hasn't gotten rid of by the time the gullah sticks are over, the beautiful Verlinda Montoya is bringing 10. I'm, I'm having goosebumps right now thinking about it. She's bringing a mother drum and 10 Native American singers who are going to sing in the new year. So, you don't have to come at 7.30. You can go have your beautiful dinner and then come hang out, dive into the music, dive into the vibration, bring in the new year here. Um, no one, as always, is turned away for lack of funds for any of these programs. So come and join us. Thank you so much. Kate, muchas gracias. Siempre. So I'll offer my welcome as well. Thank you so much, Christina. That was a great intro. I'm so happy to be here with each of you. I've been looking forward to this particular day for some time. It's been in my mind um, for some time. So here we are. And I imagine that some of you live nearby and getting here maybe wasn't such a big deal. Others of you, um, it w took a lot to get here this morning. Maybe you had to travel. Um, maybe you had to leave family at home, pets at home. Uh, maybe you had to take off the day from work. Um, so however it was that you got here, uh, you're here now. 
And I'd like us to start in a way that I often start um, a day of practice uh, with a group like this. And that is to just get in touch with settling in, uh, in touch with all the parts of ourselves that might be resistant to settling in. And then take a moment to help welcome everybody here into the space. And we can do this by letting our eyes close, if that feels comfortable to you. If closing the eyes um, is not comfortable for you yet, that's okay too. You can have your eyes open and just look down towards the floor so the visual uh, input isn't so great. Might start with a few deeper breaths. Feel your whole body sitting here, breathing. Noticing if there's a feeling of being settled. Feeling of arriving. Sometimes uh, people experience when practicing in an affinity group like this, in a group of women, that there's a part of us that can settle a little bit easier than if we were in just any old group. So you might be noticing that. But even in a group like this, there might be parts of yourself that you're still unsure whether or not they're totally welcome here. This word or this identity of woman comes in so many different forms. Although we are all here identifying as woman, the way that shows up in each of us is different. And so in this day, those differences are very welcome here. It's okay to honor those differences. Different forms of the feminine and masculine showing up in each of us. all welcome here. Your race, ethnicity, 
is welcome here. Your sexual orientation is welcome here. Your class, economic status is welcome here. Your abilities, your disabilities, it's all welcome here. So taking a moment to breathe in this welcome, seeing how it sits with you. Perhaps there's parts of you that can settle just a little bit more, and perhaps you need more time. That's okay. Either way, getting in touch with your intention for being here today. What is it that you wish for yourself to get out of a day like this? (laughs) Practicing, sharing, being in community with a group of women in the Dharma. It might be a really clear intention. It might just be a feeling. Breathing with this intention. And then becoming aware without needing to look up yet. Becoming aware that you are in this group. of us here with our own story, our own history, but each of us here with some intention for development, for connection, for community. So bringing to mind a wish that you have for your neighbors here, for everyone sitting in this circle. What do you wish for them? What do you wish they will get from this day? It might be something like, I wish you peace or feeling of happiness. It might be awakening the mind and the heart. Connection, safety, can be many different things. 
And as you're wishing something for the group, also hold that everyone here is wishing you well today at the same time. That as you're giving your care, your hope for well-being, support to everyone here, that you're also receiving care, support, welcoming from everyone here. then you can open your eyes. And I'd like you to turn to the people close to you and um, meet them. You might know someone sitting next to you. Maybe you came here with someone or um, found that you had a friend here in the group. Uh, Turn towards somebody else. (laughs) Turn to someone you don't know. Introduce yourself. And then I'd like you to share what your wish was for the group, what your wishes for them in being here. And if you're needing a group, you can stand up, you can move around. You can bring someone in. You don't have to be a group of two. Bring somebody in. Hi, Marina. you want to join okay okay that's fine okay (laughs) and then you can thank your neighbor for their well wishes, they'll thank you. And then turn back to the front, and maybe we can just say out loud, um, and we don't have to pass the mics for this. We have some, um, some, some volunteers here with mics, but we'll just, I'll just repeat it into my mic. What are some of the well wishes that you have for our group today? Well, you can just say them out. Connection. Mm-hmm. Self-compassion. Self-care, freedom, peace, joy, what is it? Grounding, yes, awakening, freedom from internal harm, contentment, knowing your worth. So, so how about... A soft power. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Say again. Heart opening. 
Gratitude. Did you have acceptance? acceptance. Calm. Calm. Let go Letting go of shame. Feel together. Finding your path to your intention today. These are beautiful. Um, well wishes for everyone here that we can just wrap each other up in these well wishing. You know, we're not, this isn't a group of perfect people. <laughs> you know, and yet we can come with an intention for connection and care and welcoming and to um, open our hearts. Um, there's, that's important, <laughs> uh, especially in a group like this. Um, so thank you for doing that with me and for sharing. Um, I want to say a little bit about what we're going to do today and why we're doing it. Uh, today will be a little bit different from the normal um, day-long retreat that we have here at Spirit Rock. Although, as you could tell from what Christina said, there's a lot of stuff that goes on here, so maybe it's not so, so different. Um, we're getting more and more creative, I think, and, and bringing in uh, different ways to practice um, and getting more of a diversity of, of teachers to bring those practices. But here today, what we're doing um, is honoring uh, each of us as a woman in practice and finding different ways that we can explore uh, this practice. We will be doing it in silence, in meditation, and um, bringing our attention inwardly. So we'll, we'll ground in the wisdom of our body, the wisdom that is in our mind and in our hearts. Um, honoring that that wisdom really truly does live within each of us. We'll also be exploring together as a community as fellow practitioners. So there'll be times throughout the day where we'll be turning towards each other to share um, our thoughts, our wisdoms, our confusions, our questions, um, and also to, to listen to each other. I feel like this is a way um, that not just women, but I do think women often know how to learn and develop in community, that there's, um, there's something in our nature, perhaps, um, to turn towards each other and, and learn from each other, to learn about ourselves with each other. And so we'll be doing some of that here today. We're going to practice through movement. Um, we have Shakti here, um, whom will come up in a little later this morning. I'll introduce her more. Um, uh, but she's here today to lead us through movement. Uh, we're going to practice through song. Uh, Betsy Rose is here today, and she'll also be coming up later, and I'll introduce her further. But 
there's just so many different ways um, and styles that we can um, call practice, that we can come in touch with this inner wisdom. The theme of today is coming home to wisdom. And coming home can mean coming home into a spiritual place like this, uh, hopefully feeling like this is a place you can cultivate and, and call your spiritual home, that we can come together as a group and find some kind of refuge in that, practicing together. Um, and then also coming home to wisdom within our individual selves, uh, getting in the habit of really listening to the wisdom that's within not depending perhaps so heavily on outside influences, but looking towards ourself, what, what is here to be learned. So all of that today. I thought it might be helpful to share a little bit about why uh, I wanted to do this particular day long. So I'm going to share um, for a little bit and then... Um, Oh no, actually, I want to pause there. I actually, I, I do want us to sit. I want us to do some practice first, and then I'll share a, a bit. Otherwise, um, too much talking. <laughs> How many of you are brand new to practice? Anybody brand new to meditation? Okay, great. So just um, just so you know, I'm I'm teaching in a particular lineage. Um, I'm teaching from the Theravadan lineage that stems back to the time of the Buddha. Uh, the Theravadan lineage is held uh, uh, strongly in places like Thailand, Burma, Sri Lanka, a little bit in India, um, and then. He, it's a lineage that's being held here at Spirit Rock um, that I was trained then through uh, a sub-lineage called the Insight Meditation Lineage, um, which stems from the countries, the practices being done in some of these countries that I just mentioned um, through teachers like Joseph Goldstein and Jack Kornfield, uh, Sharon Salzberg. And... I'll be talking about lineage today quite a bit, but it's, it's nice to know where is this coming from. So to begin with, finding a posture that really suits you and supports you. Notice how your body is feeling right now. Is it tired? Is it needing some more support? Are you going through a period of grief in your life? Is holding the posture upward feel a bit like a strain? If that's true, let yourself relax back into the chair, into the cushion. Feel the floor beneath you. I've been experiencing a lot of anxiety lately, a lot of restlessness. See what it's like to sink down into the posture. If you're noticing, ooh, this posture is not really for me, you're always welcome to get up and move it 
to a chair or down to the cushion. If you need to stand at any point, that's fine. If you're feeling like, ooh, this is maybe a little too relaxed, I'm going to doze off, then sitting up a little taller in your posture, feeling the bones support while the muscles relax. If your body is able and you're feeling tired, pull away from the back of the chair. (coughs) You can even leave your eyes open slightly if you're feeling really tired. Otherwise, let your eyes close and take a few deep breaths. With each in-breath, feeling the expansion of your body as you're taking in air. And as you breathe out, feel the muscles relax. you breathe in, breathing into any areas that are holding or tense, letting them expand slightly with that in-breath. And then as you breathe out, release. Let your breath be easy, uncontrolled. The mind can let go of that control of the breath. Let the body breathe all on its own. And bring your attention down into the body. Feel the areas of the body that are making contact with the floor the chair, the cushion. Feel the heaviness of the body here. As you do this, you're bringing your attention down into the body, becoming perhaps more embodied. Perhaps there's a feeling of being more grounded. 
Sometimes it highlights the opposite. You might, might notice as you're doing this that the body's really restless. Maybe it's hard to bring your mind down into the body, bring your attention downward. It's hard to ground. It's okay. Take your time. There's no rush. Keep inclining towards this settling in and grounding of the attention. You don't need to force it. Instead, the instructions are to stay close to any resistance, to be patient, kind, towards the parts of you that just aren't really ready to be settled or grounded in this body for whatever reasons. can open your awareness to include not just the feeling of sitting here, but also the breath again. This time, allowing the attention to rest on the sensations of breathing, not needing to control it, but simply observing those sensations that let you know that you're breathing natural rhythm inside the body as you expand with the in-breath, relax with the out-breath. So I'll be quiet for a little while and we'll practice being here in the body just sitting and just breathing
You might find that your attention leaves the body and gets more directed towards thinking. Thinking, images, remembering, planning, spacing out. It's okay. This is what the mind does. Doesn't know necessarily how to just sit and breathe. But the moment you notice that your attention has left the body, in that moment, you are mindful again. You're present. And so for that, from there, you can gently, no need for a bunch of judgment or feelings of doubt. I can't do this. Gentleness and patience, kindness, bring your attention back to the body the best you can. Feel the breath. Feel yourself sitting here. Body is too intense. It's too hard to be in the body. Bring your attention to sound. Sound coming to the body, sound being known from within this body. But oftentimes, listening to sound being connected with the senses in that way can relieve some of the intensity if that's true for you. Otherwise, reground. Take your time. Settle back in. Breathe. Rest. Listen to what your body and breath and the senses have to tell you.
and then I'm going to ring the bell. But don't just pop out of the meditation when you hear the sound. Instead, stay with the breath, the body, and listening to the sound of the bell until you no longer hear it. And then when you no longer hear the sound of the bell, you can slowly open your eyes, but stay connected as best you can to the body, maybe to the breath. See if you can carry this feeling of meditation uh, even when the formal meditation has ended. longer hear the sound, you can open your eyes, you can move the body, let yourself move in whatever way feels good to you, opening up the shoulders, you're welcome to stand, stretch out the legs. So this practice of coming back to the body, re-inhabiting the body, is going to be a core practice for us today in whatever it is that we're doing. Um, Training our minds to feel more and more comfortable with just resting within ourselves, paying attention to what's really going on there. Not just knowing what the experience is, but knowing how it changes. So that will be, um, we'll play with that throughout the day in different forms, but that'll be the main uh, practice. I want to tell you a little bit about... um, what I started to say <laughs> before the meditation, a little bit about why um, I thought this was uh, a good idea <laughs> to come together as a group of women. And of course, I'm not the only one who, who has held day-longs or retreats or, or ongoing community for, for women in, in practice, but um, I thought some, some history might be interesting and maybe helpful um, I, from the time I started practicing all the way up until I began um, mentorship to become a uh, meditation teacher, I hadn't really considered uh, gender as being a part, really, of my 
spiritual practice, which sounds really strange now as I say that out loud. But um, it just didn't feel like a big deal. Uh, I didn't feel overly identified as woman. Um, I didn't see where where that crossed over in my, my spiritual development. And it wasn't talked about, really. I didn't have any examples of, um, of any of that. Most of my teachers were male, and uh, the teachers I had that were female um, weren't necessarily talking a lot about it. But then when I started to um, learn how to teach meditation... I found it incredibly hard. I found there was all these insecurities coming up and and also um, my own expression of dharma, which I felt was totally and is totally in alignment with the lineage I'm in. Um, I, I felt like it was somehow at odds with how I thought I should be teaching or should be up here. And... Um, it, it really tripped me up for a number of years. And then I was asked to assist a women's retreat here at Spirit Rock. How many of you have been to the women's retreats here? Yeah, so a handful of you. And I was someone who before thought, why do we need a women's retreat? What could you be doing in the women's retreat that we don't do on regular retreats? And so I was asked to assist the women's retreat, and I said, of course, I'll come and be an assistant teacher um, at the women's retreat. And I was so blown away. As an assisting teacher, it was always such a, it's a role that I don't get to do anymore. <laughs> but I really loved it, because you get to be this fly on the wall of the full experience, not just as um, the, from the view of practitioner, but also of teacher. You get to be in the room as you know, the planning is happening and understand more of why we're doing what. Um, and I was blown away. I noticed in that retreat, I, I, there was something in me that was able to relax a little bit more. Totally unexpected. There was a part of me that I felt was mirrored for the first time in the teaching team, which of course was all women. Um, and I had just never even thought about that. And the way that they taught was expressed, you know, the teachings were the same, the instructions were the same, but somehow the way it was coming through mirrored more of my actual experience of the Dharma. And that shifted something for me, just clearly, <laughs> that there was something to this, that we need to, um, we need to see those examples, and we, we want to, um, we want to see the Dharma being reflected in the way that we are experiencing it. And when it's not, of course, uh, there can easily be parts of our spiritual development that gets kind of clamped down. We don't know how to navigate it. We don't know how to bring it forward. Maybe we don't know how to talk about it. Um, and so these, uh, these affinity groups, um, so today's one for 
those who identify as female are, are really important. That although awakening is beyond gender, um, the instructions are really the same. The pathway um, is the same. And yet we're influenced by this part of us. We're somehow, um, the way that we're held in society, we're held in even Dharma communities, um, it affects us. Um, Being able to fully know uh, the Dharma within us is affected. So I want to, before I go on, I'd like you to get in touch with just your own relationship with being a woman and being in practice. And I know some of you are really new, but maybe this could speak um, to just spiritual, your spiritual life and what that is or, or what it hasn't been. Um, you can close your eyes if you want or just sit comfortably, but go bring your attention inward and reflect. Take a moment to reflect on this relationship between your spiritual life and development of Dharma community and being a woman. And it doesn't have to be all oppressive and negative. It can be really quite beautiful, a beautiful unfolding. It doesn't have to be anything in particular is what I'm saying. But since we're all here together, taking a moment to reflect on this, Seems like a good opportunity. And then, of course, there's parts of us that intersect with being a woman. You know, so it might intersect with um, other identities that you hold. Some of them that I mentioned earlier in the welcoming and some that I haven't mentioned but are here with you. And that's okay, too, to reflect on those as well. So we're starting to tap into our story. Each of us has a story. And the idea in in Buddhism is that in some way we're transcending these stories within ourselves. But we first need to honor them and know them. We need to understand them really fully. The process of letting go in this practice doesn't mean denying or oppressing parts of ourselves. It actually means that we're becoming more full within ourselves. But this idea of self, our identity, um, actually it becomes the letting go. We stop to being um, held so strictly around it or um, felt limited by it in some way. So tapping into these stories is part of our awakening process. I'll share just a little bit more about what I found was happening on this women's retreat and that it took me years um, after to really put the pieces together. 
but an honoring of my own story that went back from childhood, um, growing up uh, for a period of time in California. We moved around a lot, but a period of time in California, in the Bay Area, when there were a lot of kidnappings happening of kids. And the fear that um, was in happening, I think, among parents and in my mother in particular uh, at that time about kids being kidnapped. And so the story or the, the, the message that was told to me over and over again was, Kate, don't draw attention to yourself. Kate, don't draw attention to yourself. And that was told to me over and over and over. So any time I'd be expressing myself, Kate, don't draw attention to yourself. And it was a message. It came out of worry and love and care. And I I deeply know that. Um, And the messages that we get as we go through our life have major impact whether they come from our parents, they come from our teachers, they come from our community, come from our president. Uh, They have impact. And so the impact of this particular message was that being a woman was dangerous. So when I entered meditation in the Buddhist community and started practicing, and the messaging was similar, of like, being a woman isn't part of it. Gender isn't part of it. That's what, you know, That's a, it's a male patriarchal message. <laughs> but, um, so of course, gender has something to do with it. But to my ears, it was so familiar and comforting. And I could just wrap myself in that and sit on these long, silent retreats, be anonymous, you know, cultivate uh, myself without fear. And so it created this place of safety until I was asked to then teach and sit up here and draw attention to myself (laughs) in my spiritual practice. Terrifying. It's just, it just, it went to something core and primal. Fear. I still feel it now and then, but I know what it is, so it's like, okay, (laughs) it's okay, I'm okay, but it's still there, these messages, they have impact, long-lasting impact, and so I share that not because I think, you know, everyone here has a story that's going to map onto that, but to just express how important our stories are, that when we can turn towards them and really um, intimately get to know them, not be afraid of them, not feel like, especially in our spiritual development, that we need to deny parts of ourself, whether it's the woman part of us or some other part of us. That when we do that, we're choking ourselves in some way. We're choking our development. And it's not just we are doing that. You know, it's something learned outside of us that's been learned. But we have to, we, each of us, have to learn for ourselves how to undo that. And so maybe today is the beginning of that. 
or planting a seed of that, or maybe some of you have been doing this for years, and this is not new to you. This is just a continuation of the work you've been doing. But this is the invitation for today. There is um, a project that I want to um, mention to you, um, and then we'll do some more practice. Uh, from from that particular story and um, just so much that has been going on in the larger community here, in particular in the U.S. with the Me Too movement and... Um, I think a, a particular um, uh, languaging and um, energy that has be, been coming at uh, women and not just women, um, also uh, you know our trans communities and um, our gender nonconforming communities, um, that there's been um, permission to um, finally come out and speak uh, more truth against oppressive power in many different arenas. And one of the places has, has been in the Dharma, uh, which is so exciting, because this is the place it should happen. <laughs> As we're awakening, that we awaken each other and have that opportunity to do that. It's a perfect place for it. It's become clear, not just to myself, but to um, a number of women, some of whom are who are here, that um, coming together as a group of women and creating new forms of sangha, new forms of community, to um, help that feeling of empowerment, um, of spiritual development, and just connection, a safe place for connection, is really important and needed. That we're at a point in time, and there's been many times, but at this point in time that this kind of coming together is crucial. It's needed, it's wanted, obviously. <laughs> and so last February, I held a meeting with myself and four other women who I invited um, to start a... Uh, a journey, really, of exploring how to deconstruct patriarchal systems in our Buddhist communities and to re-envision community, sangha, women's sangha, through the lens of women. What would that look like? And we've been meeting every month since. Um, they're all here today with us. And I'd like to just invite them forward so you can see who they are. Um, and um, because I think at some point today, well, they'll all be sharing something today, um, so I'll be teaching this day with them, but um, there are people who are here in, in the group that you might want to just connect with and talk to and, and um, explore a bit of this idea of women, community, community for women, by women. What would that look like in our spiritual 
lives. So um, if the, the four of you wouldn't mind coming up for, for a moment, and uh, let's see, we, we can bring maybe these two chairs so we can all be up here together. Yeah, thanks Shakti. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. Okay. Welcome up here. <laughs> this feels so right. <laughs> so this is um, a group that we've gotten to know each other really well and have explored this. Um, and so I'll just introduce them right now, and then um, you'll be hearing more from them in a little bit. Uh, so Natalie Bryan is in the end here. Hi, Natalie. And she'll come up um, at the end to talk a little bit more about this vision of community that, um, uh, that we're, we're putting together and we'll want to tell you more about later. Um, and then I'm going to skip over to Deb because she'll also come up at the end, uh, Deborah Todd, um, to talk a little bit about it. And on my right here is Shakti. And Shakti will be, um, she's a Dharma teacher as well as uh, um, a yoga teacher and will be taking us through movement this morning. So that will be really lovely. And Betsy Rose, on my left, uh, will be leading us in song and has um, a great history of also being uh, a teacher and um, activist and uh, leader of, of many women's communities and part of our family program and on and on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so these are... Uh, are our other teachers today <laughs> and and are they're here supporting me which um feels really lovely so thank you, thank you. to um the four of you and um i think uh well you why don't you guys stay up here for a moment for this next part um i want want you to explore, I want this group to explore um, what it means to be um, in community of women and finding a sense of refuge or a place of safety to practice in. Um, we're going to do this by having you turn towards somebody near you. It could be the person that you just met and offered your well-wishing. Um, it could be somebody totally new. But I'd like you to turn your body towards someone. It might mean have actually standing up and moving to somewhere in the room. And I'll tell you what you're going to do next. Oh, good. You guys are going to do it. Okay. I'm going to give you the topic. Yeah, you're just getting into the group. <laughs> you're already launching in. Okay. 
Does everyone have a group or a partner? Raise your hand if you're needing um, help to find a group. Okay, great. So this works really well if you're on the same level. So if you're needing to, if someone needs to sit in a chair, that you both sit in the chair. If you're sitting, one is sitting on the floor and needs to be on the floor, that you both sit on the floor. So take a moment to figure out. If you want to stand, you're welcome to stand. Um, Okay. So I'm using this word refuge a lot. This is a word that we use a lot in Buddhist community. Um, We often take formal refuge in um, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Sangha is a word for uh, the awakened community, Um, It can also be just a community of like-minded practitioners uh, practicing in in the tradition of the Buddha. Um, Dharma being uh, a Pali word that means um, the way things are, means truth. Um, uh, So taking refuge in the truth of things, of how things really are. And then... Uh, taking refuge in the Buddha, um, not just in the fact that here's this person, a real, a human being, not, um, you know, in the, in this lineage is not so much seen as a god, um, although had, had pretty incredible mind and, and, and powers, but as a, as a real human being who freed himself, um, in the mind and in the heart, um, pointing to the fact that this is a human capacity, that this is something that is possible, taking refuge in the possibility that, that we can do this um, to the extent that we're interested in, um, in the extent that we're, we're able. Um, so we talk about refuge a lot, and there's a lot of different places we can take refuge. Um, and refuge is, is a word that... I think brings in this idea of safety, of connection with yourself. It might be um, connection with other wise people who are who are safe to be around, who are not just kind, but kind and wise. That they're the people you um, go to when you need real feedback or um, good advice when you need to be checked and that you can check them as well in, in a way that is through compassion. Um, refuge can be a place, but mostly refuge becomes something within ourselves. It's something experienced internally. So I'm using this word refuge, and um, but you can sub it with all these other terms and ideas, if that works for you. Because I want you to talk with your group or your partner about what what is a spiritual refuge for you? What does that mean to you? Where is it? Or what is it? Who is it? Um, another way of putting it is, you know, where does your heart and mind really get to rest and open and be authentic? And for some of you, you're going to know. And others, it's like, I don't think I, I don't know. Or I don't think I have that. That's not a thing that is familiar to me. 
at all. Um, and it, let that just be information. Talk that out a little bit. What would it look like? What would you hope to have? You know, if you could envision it being there, you could sh- share that. Or you could talk about, you know, what is it like not to have it? Um, so you can go in a lot of different directions. Uh, each of you will have a couple of minutes to talk, and the other or others will listen. Um, and as you're listening, listen with your whole body. Really be present with the other person. You don't need to spend time working out what you're going to say. <laughs> You'll get to you. <laughs> It'll come. You can trust that, hopefully. But really listen and be witness to this other person because you'll want them to be witnessing you when it's your turn to speak. Um, You don't have to interrupt them. Just let them speak, even if they're struggling a little bit. It's okay. Give them that space to work it out. I'll ring the bell um, every two minutes, and we'll do three two-minute periods. So if you're in a group of three, you'll each have two minutes. If you're in a group of two, that last two minutes, you can do more of a back and forth. Um, Or if someone just didn't get to finish, they can take up that time. Any questions about this exercise? Okay. Great. So you can turn toward your group or your partner. Um, Decide who's going to go first. Someone can just say, I'll go. (laughs) And you can begin.
That's, that's two minutes, so you can finish what you're saying and then allow the next person to speak. That's the second two minutes. So if you're a group of three, you can go on to the next person. If you're a group of two, you can continue the conversation back and forth.
So you can finish what you're saying. You can thank your, your group or your partner. And turn your body back to the circle here. And then uh, our volunteers who are running the mics. I've lost you. There's one. Thank you. And two. Thank you. Um, let's let's hear from a few of you what that um, what came out of that. can just raise your hand and I know talking into the mic isn't everybody's favorite thing <laughs> but um, it does help there's there's people here who need it to really hear and so that's important yeah um, I'm Jenny and uh, um, Dana and I were talking about just the challenges of being a mom and um, we both have youngerish children and mine's four and hers are nine and twelve and and just like how hard it is to negotiate with your partner about getting time and for me it's been really hard I'm in Berkeley and um and I used to come to your sangha all the time and I haven't been able to come because I've just been it's just so hard to carve out time as a parent and um and it was hard even before I had kids, you know, child, but just adding that extra piece of it and the negotiation. And I feel like it's for some reason, I don't know, more challenging for me in my marriage to be able to ask for that. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's sort of one of the things that's been made it difficult to, um, to connect to Sangha. So being here today has been, it's like such a miracle and so wonderful. And it, this is where I used to come and do retreats all the time. And so it's like, I don't know, there's just that, this has definitely been that space for me, but trying to make the way back there is, is, is a challenge. It can be difficult, so. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'm also a mom, which you might know if you come to Berkeley, um, of a three-year-old, so I feel you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's really hard, and it's interesting in, in the way that um, Dharma, Buddha Dharma has um, developed in kind of the um, uh, this kind of white Western model that's come to to the U.S. Um, and elsewhere, uh, where it's very you know practice driven, um, retreat driven. And that's not actually um, what you'll find in other Buddhist expression and um, uh, the way it's being done in other cultural uh, Buddhisms. Um, I spent a, a good amount of time practicing in monasteries in Thailand. Whole family's there, you know. <laughs> the kids are there. The whole family's there. And there's an engagement in, of community, um, there's a place for moms and kids to be. And so it's something we're missing in the way that it's arrived in this form. Um, we're working on that. <laughs> but yeah, it's important to speak to it. Um, it can give this messaging that, you know, being mother, being parent is somehow separate from our spiritual development, which is crazy. That's crazy. 
that the birthing process, if you gave birth to your child, that that's somehow not a spiritual experience. If you um, didn't give birth to your child, that you um, are, you know, you adopted or you've, you've married into um, uh, or are partnered with someone who already has children but have brought them into your heart, um, that that's somehow separate from our spiritual development and experience. It's not being talked about. And it's, it is um, part of it. Um, someone that, um, Betsy, you and I were talking about, Deepama. Um, if you are familiar with Deepama or if you haven't read her, her the, the book that was written about her, the biography, it's definitely in that bookstore. Um, Deepama was... Um, a lay woman teacher um, in India who practiced in in the Burmese style um, in a style that is done here. Uh, But she had uh, a daughter. Deepa Deepa is her daughter. Um, So Deepa Ma is um, how she got her name was because of her daughter. It was part of her her name and her grandson was often in the room when she was giving teachings and the way she gave teachings was that the community mostly women would just show up in her kitchen and she's seen as one of the um, the masters of our time in this tradition um, Joseph Goldstein and, and Jack Cornfield and Sharon Salzberg they all went there to receive her teachings in this teeny little house. Um, and in, I believe it was in Calcutta and, um, to sit in her kitchen to receive these teachings, um, with, with a grandson in her lap, you know? So it, it exists, but it's not being mirrored enough. Yeah. And it's part of the spiritual life. There's a way in which it doesn't have to be separate. It's not, and you know it inside, right? It's like, it's there, but it's how to, how to access that without being shown is difficult. Yeah. I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. There's a mic coming right behind you. Um, yeah, we, we were talking about, um, sort of how to hold space for ourselves within um, intimate relationships. Mm-hmm. And definitely, like for me over the summer, um, transitioning into a different phase of my life where that was is becoming more of a priority. Um, like, I thought I was so enlightened, right? <laughs> um, turns out not so much. And I, in, rela- in the relationship? Is that, yeah. yeah. You know, and all of the triggers show up and all of the, all of the sort of old pains and stories and all of it. And it's, it's hard to figure out how to work through and it's hard to figure out how to hold boundaries for myself when I'm immersed in this culture that has taught me for my entire life that my needs are less important than his. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Interesting that these are, this is what's coming up around refuge, right? We're, we're needing, um, we're needing refuge. Maybe just, um, just one more here, then we're going to move. Um, this is funny that I'm actually speaking of because I was just, uh, telling Diana that I'm a bit of an introvert. 
Mm -hmm. um, so we were discussing this idea of refuge and what it means, this sort of solitary refuge versus this refuge of community and Sangha. Um, and for me, I feel very comfortable um, in this um, solitary refuge, feel safe. I don't have to open up and be laid bare in front of someone and mm -hmm. risk the feeling of judgment, yeah. um, which feels safe and comforting. But there's also this longing for connection and refuge of community. And how do you get to that um, space? How do you transition just from solitary refuge, which feels so comforting, yeah. to the comfort and welcomeness and safeness of refuge of community? And we said it was so beautiful to see um, the five women sitting up in, in the front of the room. Um, and there's a beauty to it that sort of brought tears to our eyes, but there's also this sort of like longing of, you know, we want that as well. So yeah. uh, it was interesting to think about refuge and the different sort of definitions. Yeah, thank you for that. Mm, very relatable. Okay. Well, thank you for um, going through that exploration and, and we'll keep unpacking bits of this. So we're gonna move now. Um, not into a talking period, but into more practice period. But instead of sitting, we're going to be in movement um, with Shakti. I'm going to help you, yeah. morning. Yes? You hear me? She hears me. Yeah. Hello? Huh? Okay, we're live. Good morning. I'm so happy to be with you, and I'm so happy that we get to move, um, because movement is um, such an important part of life <laughs> and our practice. And um, so let's have you all stand up and come to a comfortable standing position.
have your feet just wide enough that you feel quite stable. Have the outsides of your feet parallel. And take a moment, let's take all of our weight a little bit forward and just feel the ball of your foot. And feel the way that the ball of your foot connects you with the earth. And then let's take the weight to the back of the foot. Same way that I'm feeling that heel of my two feet pressing into the floor. And we start to appreciate there's an arch that we just moved through. Between the front of my foot and the back of my foot, there's an arch. And we're going to appreciate that same arch as we load the right outer edge of both feet with our weight a little bit. Just really start to appreciate the complexity, the beauty, the, um, the way that your foot contacts the floor. And then we'll move through center and take that second side. So the left edge of two feet are receiving a little more weight. We're just appreciating, starting to feel the foot, two feet. And now come back through center. And so you start to feel those four edges of the feet and the arch in between. And I start to hug the muscles in the front of my shin to the bone. I start to hug the muscles in the back of my calf to the bone. I start to awaken to the experience of my legs. And I start to squeeze the muscles in the front of my thigh to the bone. I start to squeeze the muscle in the back of my thigh to the bone. And there may be some subtle movements. You may find yourself just, you know, kind of swaying as we just have been on the foot, as you're standing here, starting to feel your legs. And I start to appreciate the tailbone, the very base of my spine, and let that tailbone just drop down and hang down as though there were a real tail that were dropping down toward the earth. So it really presents my legs. And from that awareness of my legs, I take two arms up. I start to feel breath. Maybe there's an inhale there, and I interlace ten fingers and push the sky with my hands. And I start to feel some length in my body. Press the heels down, start to stretch up. Okay, breathing. Might feel like a little expansive. Allow for that if that's the case. And then let's release these hands down. See if you can just keep a little bit of length in the sideways. See how that affected things. And we'll push the two feet back into the floor. Reach the two arms up on an inhale. Interlace ten fingers. Push your hands upward. And start to feel the sideways and start to feel the back body. Start to feel the front body. Start to feel a little bit of oxygen coming in. Not that you can feel oxygen, but you know what I mean. And then release. Okay, and let's, uh, we're going to find a twisting motion. One hand taps the collarbone, if that works. The other hand taps the low back. You can look over your back shoulder. Keep the hips pretty stable, and then change sides. And then once you have it, you can perhaps pick up the pace. So you're twisting side to side if you need to... uh, Just create space for yourself away from whoever's around you. You can just step a little forward, a little back. And then see if you can find a little enjoyment. 
So once you set up this movement, start to feel your low back and your middle back and your upper back. A little bit of breath. It's nice to look over the shoulder if you can. And then slowly let that unwind itself. And so you just come back to center and press your feet again into the floor. And this time, take your two hands and see if you can get to this place in your low back. As close as you can get to the low back with the heels of the hands on your low back. And then squeeze your elbows in towards the center and lift your chest a little bit. And just see how that goes. Breathe. Let's do two more breaths. One more. So nice. Just open up the chest like that. Come back to neutral. Feel your body. Feel what you're feeling. And then we'll take the hips in a big circle. So the same way that we were appreciating the ball of the foot, the heel of the foot, right edge, left edge of each foot, some attention on the feet as I circle my hips. It's as though I'm trying to paint a large glass with my hips. And the hip joint is a ball and socket joint. It really loves a circular motion. And the sacrum in the low back, a floating bone that likes to, to float, to move. Second direction. Just beginning to explore the body, beginning to explore your sensation. Let's do the first direction again. And then second direction again. Just get things to open up a little bit. And then we'll come back to center, plant the two feet the way we've been doing, reach the two arms up. This time grab the elbows, bend the knees, and any amount of taking your chest toward the floor. So you might just be here, you know, if you've got uh, a reason to stay up high, you can be right here, or you might find yourself coming lower, dropping the head. If that feels like enough, stay here and breathe. If you'd like to take the sit bones a little higher, you can do that. Let's take some nice breaths here. Big breath in. Big breath. Ah. Few more. Ah. Whatever stress, whatever tension, just drop it. In the sigh. Ah. One more. And then slowly pick up your belly, slow rounding, slow rounding all the way up. Of course, if you have a baby in the belly, don't hug the belly muscles in too much. Okay, otherwise, it's fine to hug the belly muscles in. We come back to center. So now you might create a little more room. We have some room to spread, spread out. 
and we're going to take a lunge if you're willing. Okay, if you're in a chair, if you're uh, not able to take a stance, you can do the arms. Okay, so that's my suggestion to you. And if you're able to, we're going to step back with your left foot. Come into a lunge and reach two arms up. Squeeze the muscles of your inner thigh to the thigh bone. Squeeze the muscles of the inner thigh to the thigh bone. Press that front foot down. Reach, reach, reach these arms. Now lift your chest a little. Look up. Breathing practice. Feels so good. At least speaking for myself, right? I hope it feels good. Yeah. One more sweet breath. And lower the arms. Step forward. Take a moment. Feel the effect of doing that. Feel which nostril is breathing right now, having done just that right leg forward. Let's take the second side. So I'll step back with right foot, stepping on the ball of the right foot, sinking the hips low, pressing two feet into the floor, reaching two arms up. Squeeze the muscles of the thigh to the thigh bone. Pick up your belly, unless you're pregnant. Lift your chest, lift your heart, and take your thumbs back a little. So nice. This beautiful breath, this beautiful stability. Feel your feet. And as you're ready, lower these arms. And please step forward. Find again this strong, stable standing Feel your legs. Feel your breath. Let's take one more standing pose. So this time we step back with the right foot, bend the, or sorry, step back with the left foot, bend the right knee, reach the arms parallel with the horizon, right over your legs. Right hand is roughly over the right foot, left hand is roughly over the left foot. Look over your right middle finger. That right foot is pointing straight forward. Use your breath. Yeah, just find it. This is Virabhadrasan B, warrior two pose. So nice. And then lower the arms, step forward. Strong standing pose. Let's take that second side. So I step back this time with my right foot. Turn the right foot open 90 degrees. Step your feet far, far away from each other. The left set of toes points straight in front of you. If there were a yoga mat there, the short edge of the yoga mat that's right in front of you, that's where your toes point. Sink your hips low. So nice. Reach, reach, reach these arms. Soften the jaw. Find your breathing. One more breath, if you're willing. And lower the arms. Step forward. Let's take one more little back bend here, taking the hands to the low back. Parallel the outsides of your feet. 
Squeeze the muscles of your thigh to your thigh bone. Tailbone towards the center of the earth. We say that just to protect your low back. So try to not um, sway your low back, but tuck your tail a little bit. And then lift your chest. Feel your breathing. Let's go two or three more breaths, if you're willing. And when that second breath is done, come on up. And let's take a forward fold again. So you know your body. If It's better for you to hold on to your elbows, bend your knees, go down a little bit, do that. You know, if your back is really touchy today, it might look like this. And some of you are going to go a little bit farther. Just see, maybe you start to straighten the knees a little bit. Maybe the hands go towards the earth. Standing forward fold. So you just take the chest down, start to feel into your hamstrings, start to feel into your low back, soften the jaw. So this is something I'm doing for myself with compassion. I'm here breathing into the sensation. Just giving myself a nice opening for my back body. And then slowly, slowly, round. So listen to my words here. If you're not pregnant, pick up your low belly, keep the head down, and everyone, begin to stack the lower back vertebrae. Keep your head down. Keep rounding. You're coming to standing ever so slowly. Perhaps pick up your upper belly, and then round through your middle back. Keep the head down, and then begin to stack all the way through the upper vertebrae of your spine. Neck. Head. Once you're here, take a moment, feel your body in your mountain pose. Let's take our hips in a circle one more time. Perhaps this size of circle is different from the first time. So you might take small circles if you took big circles. Or you might take bigger circles if you took small circles. And change direction. When you're ready, come back to center. Take your right ear and drop it toward your right shoulder. Take your right arm up. Right fingers to your left ear. Big breath in, big ah sound out. Ah. Release your neck and jaw. Two more. Ah. One more. 
gently head returns to center, arm comes up, and then back down. Just notice that one side of your neck compared with the other. And let's take the second side. Left ear drops toward left shoulder. Left arm rise. Left hand to your right ear. Big breath in. Ah. Two more. Ah. One more. Ah. Return to center, head to center, arm comes up and then back down and find your sitting place. So that might be your cushion or your chair. Feel your posture now. Feel how your body is breathing now. Sit up tall. So that the spine is erect and the crown of the head is pressing up to the sky. You roll the shoulders back, lift the chest. Eyes are half open, half closed. Right eye looks over the right nostril. Left eye looks over the left nostril. Taking a moment to enjoy the seated posture. Take your hands together in front of the heart and rub your hands. So you're going to gather a little energy here. And press the heels of the hands to your eyes. Calming the eyes to calm the entire central nervous system. You can take these two hands down to your chest, one on top of the other. Feeling the contact of your hands with your chest, chest with the hands. Then take your hands to any comfortable place. resting into this body that you have moved 
this body that you feel now. Present to this breath. This very breath. Take your hands together in front of the heart. We'll take a bow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shakti. So then from that, that place that you are now, we're going to go into this more formal meditation again. And if you are in a posture that you think, uh, <laughs> I don't really want to be in this chair anymore or on this cushion and on the floor anymore, that's okay. Just You can move. If you want to stand... Even if you only want to stand for part of it and then sit down, all of that is very much allowed here on this day long and just about all the day longs and retreat um, formats. Okay. So you might be feeling the body a little bit more. You can close your eyes or have your gaze downward and soft, whichever is most comfortable for you. And we'll just practice for a short period of time and then we'll be breaking. We'll have our break. Feel the whole body sitting here. Notice if it feels different after movement. Maybe you're able to feel it a little easier. Or maybe that movement helped attune you to areas that are not feeling so great or are hard to access with your attention for whatever reason. 
Just noticing what's true for you as you sit here. Feel the breath. Feel it inside the body. Know that you're breathing. Know that you're breathing in when you're breathing in. Know that you're breathing out when you're breathing out. body breathe on its own and your attention is just gently following that movement inside the body that lets you know that this is an in-breath this is an out-breath it helps the mind Focus. You can even have this little note in the mind, a, a word or two, breathing in as you breathe in, breathing out as you breathe out. Just this little thought to follow what you're knowing. You can just be in, out. Your real focus is on the sensations that are there. Not the idea of breathing, but the actual somatic experience of breathing. Notice how your breath changes. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's long and deep, sometimes it's shallow, sometimes it's tight, other times it's flowing effortlessly. can think of each in-breath and each out-breath as its own moment, marking presence. Each breath is happening in the present, and so it's not the same breath as the breath that came before 
and it won't be the same breath that can't, comes next. It's this metronome of life, just this, just here. don't exist outside of this experience of in-breath and out-breath. You are just in this moment. Thoughts can think about the past or imagine a future, but they're just thoughts. All that you are is just in this in-breath, and then the out-breath, in-breath. The immediacy of life being known just in this moment, this moment, this moment. Your thoughts, when the attention gets wrapped up with them, will pull you into the future or the past, or it feels that way. But all that's really happening is the manifestation of thinking in this moment. It's just another part of just this, this moment. Thoughts being known. back to the body and the breath body being known in breath being known out breath in breath
Pay attention closely. Your body, there's so much wisdom. Wisdom about presence and change. About the arising of experience and then the disappearance of that experience, the coming and going, permanence, life and death, right there in each breath. Right there in your body. Going to ring the bell, but again, don't pop out of the meditation. Take your time listening to the sound of the bell, and then open your eyes when you no longer hear the sound. So our morning, if you can believe it, is done. (laughs) It went so fast. It always does. We're going to uh, have time for lunch and a break. Um, This can be done in different ways. So uh, you want to just do what seems right for you. You're welcome to take a silent lunch. And um, I recommend... Spending some time outside, you can certainly eat in the hall here if that feels better, Um, but to get some fresh air is probably a good idea at some point. 
Um, if you want to talk and meet people, um, you can also do that. Just be conscious of um, what other people may be needing. So if you see someone who is inward and eating silently um, and not looking up, looking for that connection, then leave her be. And um, uh, if you see someone who looks like that someone, you know, is, there's a welcoming of connection, uh, then that's wonderful. And then you're all welcome to change your mind at some point and say, that's enough, thank you. <laughs> I need to be silent again. Um, you know, Christina had mentioned um, that we really we have the campus today. That's unusual um, because usually there's a retreat going on up the hill and we have to say, don't go beyond the gate. You can go beyond the gate if you want to take a walk um, up there and just check it out. And like she said, don't go inside the buildings because they're cleaning. Um, uh, you can also go up in the hills here. Um, there's paths that will take you up. The, the meadow is the the place, if you go into the parking lot across the bridges, there's a little meadow there. There's some trails that go off of it. We're going to meet back here at 1.15. So just be back on time. We'll ring bells, but if you go out um, exploring, you really want a timepiece and make sure to keep track of time and give yourself time to, to come back so you're not rushing in and you know out of breath and all that. Um, enjoy your lunch. However you're doing it, do it mindfully. Be present. This is your day to really be in your presence. Okay, enjoy. And we have quite an afternoon uh, of exploration ahead. So eat well and enjoy.
Hello, test one, two. There we go. I do hear it. Yeah, good. Yes. Yeah, so Excellent. Hello, there we go. Okay. Hello, okay, wonderful. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, that's a very live mic, that's nice. The two ears make all the difference. That's, oh, yeah. that's the secret. Sounds a little sibilant, huh? Oh boy, I got so many ideas after this morning. It's been a great setup. These hands have caught a newborn baby daughter. These hands have gently closed the eyes in death. These hands have sifted flour and poured the water. Sure. Kneaded the dough for daily bread. These hands have woven many colors, held the plow, chopped the sugar cane, signed petitions, held the gavel, knitted up what's come unraveled, lifted up. The crying child and ease the pain, and these hands can build a world of peace. 
And the world is waking up to understand That nothing can be changed Till the power is rearranged And we put our trust again in women's hands All right, fresh start Okay If a mother's eyes saw hunger all around And her hands held the power to sign the order To bring the wealth to wherever the need was found Imagine all the peace within our hearts To know that all were fed Warm and safe No one left behind No one's needs denied Isn't really hard When you are family And these hands Can build a world of peace And the world is waking up To understand That nothing can be changed Till the power's rearranged And we put our trust again In women's hands So, you getting some guitar there? Oh yeah Okie doke, yeah Who were Who were the witches? Where did they come from? Maybe your great-great-grandmother was one. (laughs) Come on, Brad. Oops. (laughs) Great. Where did they come from? With your great great grandmother was one. Witches were wise, wise women, they say. There's a little witch in every woman today. 
Witches knew all about flowers and weeds How to use all the roots and the leaves from the trees People grew weary from hard working days Witches made them feel better So that's about as loud as that guitar is going to be, I think And mostly it's going to be more this style Oh, oh, too bad. I think so. Sure, totally. Yep. Thank you so much. And we, yeah, we can leave everything set up because I'm on right after lunch.
I don't think I'll be using it. Welcome back. I feel like the after lunch moment is that moment where refreshment falls into nap very quickly. <laughs> so I hope you can keep your refreshment alive. <laughs> And if you can't, then just enjoy your nap. <laughs> A lot of permission in this room. So as Kate introduced me, I'm Betsy Rose. And... Um, <clears throat> have led, led women's song circles and sort of uh, activating activism circles for quite a while, as well as being blessed with um, the Dharma and the practice. And so we thought it would be a kind of a neat, uh, trying out these different modalities of movement and silence and conversation, and that creativity and, and song is my, my medium, but it's such a, an important expression of our full humanity. I know that parts of me come out when I write and when I sing that are just not available to me in other ways. And I feel like today is so much about women's fullness and really opening up all parts and making room for ourselves in the room, but also just inside, making room for the person that we are. And Kate just did such a beautiful welcome where she named so many conditions, so many aspects of our identity and welcomed them. And we know we forgot some, but it was a lot. So I wanted to start with a welcome song of my own. And it, it has a particular slant because I wrote it during the early days of the AIDS crisis in San Francisco when I was working with the Shanti Project as a singer. And um, I was asked to sing at a conference for caregivers who were burning out at a rapid rate because nobody realized that this was a marathon, not a sprint. So this song has a caregiving focus, but I think it's, it's much broader as well. what comes from not having deep pockets. <laughs> All right, let's do the... Okay, once again. Welcome to the circle How far have you come? Do you need some company, a candle, and a song? Are you feeling weary, tired of being strong? Welcome to this circle. It's a place where you belong. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have a burden that feels too much to bear? Do you have a bitterness you don't know how to share? Do you get too angry to breathe or laugh or pray? Well, there's no one in this circle who has never felt this way. No one in this circle who has never felt this way. So welcome to this circle, whatever brought you here, the valleys and the mountain tops, the muddy and the clear, and know your work is worthy, and know your heart is true. And know that all you give away will come circling back to you. You've got to know that all you give away will come circling back to Just breathe as a way of acknowledgement and bow. Oh gosh, oh my goodness. You know, I cry so easily that and if any of you cry, I like lose it, right? So but it's okay. <laughs> Just go right ahead. There's Kleenex out and about. But um yeah. Oh golly. So I think that touches for me on just the amount of caregiving that women do, how much that is embedded in our training and maybe in our genetic makeup. I don't know, but whatever it is, it's a gift to the world. But managing it and balancing it for ourselves is a, is incredibly hard, incredibly challenging. So um, I want to just move right into another song about women's hands. Kind of follows on the last. <clears throat> These hands have caught a newborn baby daughter. These hands have gently closed the eyes in death. These hands have sifted flour and poured the water. Kneaded the dough for daily bread. These hands have woven many colors, held the plow, chopped the sugar cane, signed petitions, held the gavel, knitted up what's come unraveled, lifted up 
the crying child and ease the pain. And these hands can build a world of peace. And the world is waking up to understand that nothing can be changed till the power is rearranged and we put our trust again in women's hands. And I'd like you to, for a moment, take a look at your hands. Just hold them out or cup them in front of you. And just look at them for a moment and think about the many, many acts of work and love and effort and action and courage that your hands have accomplished. Just each personally in your own. Just bring some memories to mind. Hands that have held signs at a climate march or the women's march. Hands that have held surgical tools in medicine. Hands that have held paintbrushes. Hands that have held the hands of others who are suffering. And you can make your own list, just for a moment. And just maybe whisper in your heart a soft thank you to all that your hands have been willing to do, following your heart, following your mind, following your anger, your passion, your determination to build a world of peace. Thank you. Because nothing will be changed till the power is rearranged and we put our trust again in women's hands. Imagine how our lives would prosper if a mother's eyes saw hunger all around and her hands held the power to sign the order to bring the wealth to wherever the need was found. Imagine all the peace within our hearts to know that all were fed and warm and free. No one left behind, no one's needs denied. It isn't really hard when we are family and these hands these very hands can build a world of peace and the world is waking up to understand that nothing can be changed till the powers rearranged and we put our trust again in women's hands I bet we could sing that together. Just don't be shy. Don't worry about, oh my gosh, singing. I don't know how to sing. Don't even think. Don't think. Just read my lips. Open your mouth. Breathe and sing. 
And these hands can build a world, can build a world of peace. And the world is waking, world is waking up to understand that nothing can be changed. That nothing can be changed till the power, till the powers rearrange. Put our trust, we put our trust again in women's hands. That was great. Let's do it again. These hands and these hands can build a world of peace, and the world is waking up to understand. Nothing can be changed. Nothing can be changed till the powers rearranged, and we put our trust again in women's hands. Nothing, nothing can be changed till the powers rearranged. Look around. Here's where the power is going. Here's where the power is right here. And we put our trust again in women's hands. So part of rearranging that power as Kate has told us, and we're going to hear more about the project that we five are working on. You're going to hear a lot more later. But is the idea that even in the Dharma, especially in the Dharma, the power needs to be rearranged. The whole sense of whose stories are Dharmic stories? Is the story of childbirth a Dharmic story? Is the story of holding your dying mother's hand a Dharma story? You know, is menstrual cramps a Dharma story? Is infertility a Dharma story? Of course they are, but they don't get talked about hardly ever in these rooms. So I have a poem that I wrote maybe a year or so ago. I just, I love this poem so much. (laughs) You're going to love it too. And it's called Waiting for the Woman Buddha. And it's very much inspired by Deepama, by that image of a woman in her kitchen with her grandchild on her knee, offering Dharma, offering teachings to the women in the neighborhood. And this was not a fancy neighborhood, mind you. This was very much you know, very low-income people and women flocking to her. Okay, here we go. I'm waiting for the woman Buddha, the one who is wise as the day is long, but doesn't write ten volumes of discourse about the angels on the head of a pin, the dependent origination of the ingredients of the metal, the selfing or the not-selfing of the angels, the 209 precepts regarding their dancing or not dancing. The woman Buddha is one who knows all about ingredients as she makes soup for the neighborhood. She knows who is sick, who just had a baby, whose mother is dying, whose son just left to join the rebels, whose daughter secretly loves another girl. Her stance on dancing is this. It makes the wedding soar and the funeral heal. So let the music begin. This is the holy life for the woman Buddha. I am devoutly waiting for the woman Buddha, whose teachings are not of such granular dissection that my mind grows heavy with pondering and the familiar universe becomes untrustworthy and lonely. In fact, with her teachings, the heart lightens 
and the ground becomes known and safe again. The heart lifts the mind right out of its cranial confines. Her teachings, usually given while diapering or stirring or plowing or nursing, do not confuse and sow doubt, do not cause one to feel inadequate and sad. It is not that she's not smart enough to write 10,000 discourses or penetrate the most subtle of inner states. She has, after all, raised several teenagers. It is not that her understanding of human nature or of the human condition is coarse or superficial or dull. It's just that at the end of the day, she knows childbirth still hurts like hell, death still brings unspeakable grief, and kids still break your heart, and the soup still needs stirring. And no amount of renunciation, detaching, ceasing, cultivating dispassion can change that. Trust me on this one. The woman Buddha has all the mental capacity Gautama Buddha displayed, but she makes a choice. She is not solitary, roaming about, questing through wood and desert and dusty library and microscope and generating words, 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 words. Time is short, fleeting, and the flesh may be impermanent, but it is freaking real while it's going down. The woman Buddha knows this, hence the soup and all else. Don't get me wrong, I love the story of Siddhartha, his heroic journey, his showdown with Mara, his embrace of the middle way, his absolute dedication to a path, and the willingness to share it all over a long life. I love the teachings when offered with simplicity and heart. And my life has been transformed by the practices he taught. But I am still waiting for the woman Buddha at whose feet I would gladly sit if her feet ever stopped moving. Serving, dancing, hoeing, and weeding, delivering medicine, walking the neighborhood to just drop in on you or me or the others, or walking the pilgrimage with scores of other women to a refugee camp, a pipeline, a border crossing, a detention center, a soup kitchen. Truth is, the odds of sitting and absorbing wisdom from this woman Buddha are slim. Better to walk alongside, join the caravan, carry the medicine, hoe the field, link arms at the vigil, sit beside her in the jail cell, and pay attention. Listen up. So while I'm waiting for this woman Buddha, I'll just check on the baby and stir the soup, and, oh yes, next time we have a moment to sit together, I'd like to offer you a little teaspoon of song medicine, just something I've been working on, and I will gladly share it with you while we look into each other's eyes and see there everything we have been waiting for. Thank you. So, um, stories. Kate, I loved what you shared about a little bit of your childhood story of don't take up so much space or whatever your words were. Those are my, my words. We don't, you're too big for your britches. You know, it's kind of my, my version. And I think everybody can resonate with those kind of stories because they're quite universal, how women in many to most cultures are raised. So, but I also want to remember that we have some really powerful stories too. Right, and to not forget that. And the problem is our personal power stories we may have lost touch with, but our cultural power stories have definitely been wiped out 
definitely been wiped out. Every Halloween period, I make sure I sing one song we're about to sing that many of you probably know, which is retelling the story of the witches. Because there's an incredible distortion when, you know, girls mostly dress up in these horrible masks and hats and witches are these (laughs) scary, horrible people. That was done by design. That was not an accident that that is the story that got handed to us. So Bonnie Lockhart, wonderful East Bay songwriter, wrote this song. Who were the witches? Where did they come from? Maybe your great-great-grandmother was one. Witches were wise, wise women, they say. And there's a little witch in every woman today. Have you ever heard this song before? Oh my goodness! I am shocked. (laughs) But this is so great. This is so great, because now you know. Okay, next time you're going to sing with me. Witches knew all about flowers and weeds, how to use all the roots and the leaves from the trees. People grew weary from hard working days, witches made them feel better in so many ways. Who were the witches? Who were the witches? Okay, let's try I'll, one at a time. I'll do it, you sing it back. Who were the witches? Where did they come from? Who were the witches? Where did they come from? Maybe your great, great grandmother was one. Maybe your great, great grandmother was one. Witches were wise, wise women, they say. Women were wise, wise women, they say. And there's a little witch in every woman today. There's a little witch in every woman to all together. Here we go. Who were the witches? Where did they come? Maybe, maybe your great, great grandmother. Witches knew. Witches were wise, wise women, they say. There's a little witch. There's a little witch in every woman today. Great. Women had babies, the witches were there to hold them and heal them and give them some care. Witches knew all, witches knew stories of how life began. Don't you wish you could be one? Well, maybe you can. Who were the witches? Where did they come from? Maybe your great-great-grandmother was one. Witches were wise, wise women, they say. And there's a little witch in every woman today. Now some people thought that the witches were bad. Some people were scared of the power they had. The power to help and to heal and to care isn't something to fear. It's a treasure to share. Last time, who were the witches? Where did they come from? Maybe your great-great-grandmother was one. Witches were wise, wise women, they say. 
And there's a little witch every woman today. There's a little witch in every woman today. Yeah. So now you know one of the world's greatest songs. You can teach it to your daughters and granddaughters and sons and grandsons and everybody. This is sung in many, many schools throughout, throughout the world, actually. Bonnie's song has traveled widely, and it's very, very popular. But, you know, it's, it's sort of like this thing like we don't even, we're just starting to learn our own story. You know, and how can you occupy fully the space that, that we could occupy when we don't have any historic knowledge of how that space has been occupied? So even a, a, just a, one little story like that makes a difference. This is a wonderful book called The First Buddhist Women, and I'm sure it's in the bookstore. And it's got a really really moving and beautiful stories of the very early Buddhist women. And as I understand it, the Buddha did welcome women into his discipleship in, in a particular way. And Kate, you would know more than I, but I think I think there's a general feeling that um, the Buddha was inclusive. In fact, I think I'll read this right before I read that. I was going to read a little poem by a nun. But I want to read a very short piece of a beautiful article by Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams, who is a local and national Buddhist leader. She's an African-American queer woman and a very powerful and articulate and everything else person. This was from Lion's Roar. And there's just a little piece about our own history here. The Buddha left us a 2,500-year-old institution that brings people in regardless of color, caste, and now even gender. That was his teaching, not solely the words someone captured hundreds of years later. He left us an institution based on giving people back the opportunity to be liberated no matter who they were. He stripped away the things that were most telling of where they came from, what class, what rank, and he said every single person has the right to be free. Only those who sit in a position of perceived supremacy would imagine that they somehow understood better what this brown man, whose teachings they have appropriated, was up to. It is the people who are most marginalized, the people who have been most bound by society, who most deeply understand what it is to be free. But we turn that upside down. We get some idea in our heads that the people who have the most access, who build the institutions, who create the buildings, who have the money, might somehow know better. So she's talking here, of course, about race, class, gender, sexual, um, you know, whatever. But also, it's very much about women because it's about patriarchy. And that one of the ways we need to, are trying to decolonize our minds is to get out of that assumption that some male, probably white male, knows better, uh, whether it's a Dharma teacher or a politician or a, a partner or whatever. And um, I, I, this, this idea of decolonizing our minds is very powerful to me because it's a project and we cannot do it alone. So that's why we're here right now. Okay, so one brief poem by an, a nun. Okay, and, and these poems are incredible. They're so full of deaths of children, losses of... There's so much suffering that led these women to go to the Dharma. They turn to the Dharma out of desperation so often. So, let's see. Which one, I'm trying to decide which one to do. Sorry, I, I, won't, I won't linger on this too long. Oh, this is about, about Sangha. I like this one very much. With good friends... Even a fool can be wise. Keep good company, and wisdom grows. Those who keep good company can be freed from suffering. 
So I think this is very much what the project of the women's sangha is about, is creating that good company so that we can all become wise and powerful and happy. So let's see. Let me just move on here. No, but (laughs) there we go. Okay, we're going to do the old clip-on. That is not going to happen again. Oh, okay, so in terms of our personal story of strength, I just want to tell you my, my very briefly my personal story to kind of balance Kate's. When I was about two years old, my family lived in Alki, Washington, which is Seattle, and it's right on Puget Sound. And it was a very safe, 50s, very quiet neighborhood. My mom tells me that by about the age of two, I would start escaping from the yard and go wandering because I had no sense of fear. I had no sense of that there was any danger out there, any reason why I shouldn't. She would freak out a little bit, but she said she could always find me because as I walked, I would take my clothes off. Which was a, like a whole other level of fearlessness, you know? And of, of deep belonging, deep belonging, right? I'm just, right? So there I am going along, a little diaper, a little t-shirt, whatever. But the, the story that I just love, and honestly, when I feel defeated and insecure and like I am, you know, all those things we feel sometimes, this story helps me so much. So I'm wandering about, and I'm in a little yard, somebody's yard, and a dear neighbor comes out and looks at me, and she says, Betsy Rose, do you know where you are? And I said, yes, I'm right here with me. (laughs) You know, that's enough. It's enough. I'm right here with me, right? So anyway, um, so the last little piece I want to do, and I think we'll come in right on time, Kate, pretty much, is I want to say just a a few words about... um, from an elder voice, because I am one of the more elder folks here, and it's beautiful to see the range of ages. It's just so great. Um, But that one of the things that I had to learn over over my long life, um, being partnered with a man for 40 years now, believe it or not, was I had to learn to carve out space for my authentic life my authentic life, which was happened to be very different than his. And it turned out that what I needed to be a happy woman was quite different than what he needed to be a happy man or and what he needed from a woman <laughs> to make him a happy man. So as you can imagine, we had a pretty rough time. We had a really rough time. But we hung in there and worked it. And um, the Me Too movement helped me. But even before that, way before Me Too, that was like the the crowning, that was the the cherry on the icing. But before that, I had just been slowly finding my voice and asserting what I wanted and what I needed. And one of the things I had to do was not, I had to stop worrying about whether he would be okay. His okayness could not be my problem or I could not live my life. I could love, I could have compassion, I could be as kind as possible, but I could not make my choices based on whether he was going to be okay. That was up to him to figure out how to be okay. That's a, that was a tough one, let me tell you. And I know some of, you, some of the younger women who are contemplating future relationships wonder, how am I going to do this? And I have no answers for you, but I know that, that uh, at some point one's own life um, is, is all you've got. It's all you've got, as Tracy Chapman says, all that you've got is your soul, right? So the crowning glory, my crowning achievement, was in uh, in 2015-16, when I was 64. 
465, I left for eight months, went with a backpack and my guitar, and I went through Asia and Africa and Europe singing with women, grassroots women's projects and villages and children. And um, it was a dream, it was a life dream come true. And it came to me at Spirit Rock. It was right here in the middle of a depression and a women's retreat <laughs> that, that, that I got a call right up on the hillside that said, you got to get out of here. You have got to get out of here because your soul is dying, which it was. So anyway, that worked. And all around the world, I met young people um, out in their 20s doing the same thing. And I always made sure to tell them my age and that I had a partner because I wanted them to know that this is possible. It's possible to have a relationship and have full freedom. And it's also possible to not age out of the good stuff, right? And, um, oh, and speaking of which, I'll say one more thing, which is the latest crazy thing I'm doing now that I'm back from that trip is I've decided to be a doula. So I'm entering into the, witch, the witchy world of birth. And, and it's just, I, I don't know, I just really want to convey this, not because I'm so special, not at all, but because I feel like the possibilities are so much bigger than we were ever told, Right. And every one of us could tell amazing stories, maybe we will, of a time when we broke out, we broke through, you know. Or a dream of how I want to break through and I just don't know how and we can just encourage each other. Yeah. I know Kate is breaking through as a Dharma teacher to really claim a female voice, a female space, and a female sangha so that you can flourish, you know. That's, that we need that to flourish. So, okay. So I'm going to leave you with a kind of a it's not the greatest closing song, but it's just a song I wanted to do for you. It came out of my travels. It came out of Me Too. And this, the stories in some, some of the stories you're going to hear are women that I knew and met and still am connected to in different parts of the world. But um, I guess what I'll just say is that our voices may have been silenced or trivialized or laughed at or ignored. But one day, one day, and maybe that day is right now, we are being heard, and we will be heard. You see me at the market stall, my baby's round my feet. Your pennies for a bag of fruit, that's one more day we'll eat. You see me in the brothel, Two hundred shillings, make it short. You see me with your judging eyes. You never see my worth. Do you know I have dreams? Do you know I have wings? One day you'll know. You see me at the office, you joke and touch and tease, you promise that promotion for a little late night squeeze, but how little is a little, and why should I weigh the cost, how can a woman measure what she's gained and what she's lost, do you know I have dreams? Do you know I have ways? One day you'll know.
You see me scrubbing toilets, changing dirty sheets, hustling your ham and eggs, or hustling the streets, or standing by the water cooler, laughing with the rest, swallowing that burning coal of anger in my chest. Do you know what we'd say? If we knew we were safe, do you know what it's cost? Do you know what we've lost? Do you know I have dreams? Do you know I have wings? One day Just sit for a moment. Just allow the emotions and the feelings and thoughts to settle gently coming back to your breath and your body take one very deep breath just to feel how spacious you are and how you can hold all of this this is all part of you and it's all bearable and it's all it's all life it's just life again feeling your feet on the floor your body in the chair or the cushion just coming fully into your body in this moment a deep breath and just exhale on a good side kind of let it all flow through and out <sighs> making space for the next experience and Kate would you mind coming up I want to ask you something privately and I'm going to just say a couple of words while you're coming up so thank you for your incredible attention and presence and open heartedness I feel very lucky to be able to share with you like this Hope we meet again.
And I do have CDs out in the hallway, and I also was thinking with the mailing list, which I know you're going to announce, Kate has a mailing list out. Um, If you'd like to be on my mailing list to hear about musical events coming up, because every now and then I put out something, just write Betsy somewhere in the line where you write your name and everything. Just write Betsy in parentheses, and then we'll know to... Is that all right, Kate? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So... I just wondered if you would feel it would help you if you had a moment to talk to someone else and just maybe debrief for a very short minute about some some impact that had just to again help kind of clear move it through would that yes no I see some nods not a long just 2 minutes 2 minutes each just it would take longer in a group and I think I, I, I appreciate your suggestion, and that that's very rich too. But I think probably, what do you think, Kate? Dyad's probably a little more. You can make small groups. Maybe a th- group of three. How about threes? Yeah. Okay. And we're gonna do this quickly so we don't get too far behind. But yeah, I think it'll be good. I'll help. So we'll take a couple more minutes. So if someone hasn't shared yet, um, just to make sure that, that those who do want to share in your group have that space. A couple more minutes.
We're going to start to complete what you're saying and thank your partners. Okay. I know that some of you could use more time and then some of you look pretty done. So I'm hoping that this is just enough. I'll ask you to thank your partners and turn your bodies back to the center of the circle. So we can do this next part. (laughs) One of the incredible gifts, Betsy that you just offered us was I felt like I got to receive in all of that. You singing to us was um, such a gift of a moment in all of this where there's there's a bit there's a lot of instruction around not doing, just being here and, and all that, but um, and then there's some doing of interacting with each other and so just the gift to receive. And uh, so um, thank you. Thank you so much. And I felt that way too with what Shakti offered us. You know, we were in movement, but we were um, just able to receive during that time. And these are moments that nourish us. We need this balance, uh, don't we? And so thank you both. We're going to move into a meditation, and um, if anyone needs to use the restroom before we get started, you can just take care of yourself and, and slip back in. That's okay. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna just move forward um, into this dance that we're doing, coming from this receiving to talking to. Um, you know, going inward uh, in our inward silence and listening. And that in itself, just the, the flow of the day is its own practice. Is how do we weave in and out of all these ways that we are, not just here on a day retreat, but in our lives. That no matter what, the the exercises, whatever the the task is, that the practice can flow in some way through all of it, that nothing is uh, left out. It just might be the way we shift into each of these expressions of ourselves. Um, We get better and better at bringing along this feeling of connection with, with Dharma and presence. 
So I like that some of you are off taking care of your your needs. Some of you are taking care of your bodies in here. Wonderful. If you sat with me before, you know that I'm a big fan of laying down meditation. (laughs) Feel free. Let your bodies settle. Bring your attention inward and just notice how you're feeling. It's this time of day. We are experiencing change. So you might feel really um, energized from that, from the singing and the sharing and feeling kind of the buzz of activity within yourself. Just feel that buzz. That's fine. You don't have to do anything with it. Let it be there. You might be feeling the time of day as being more sleepy, lower energy, and so feeling kind of a, a sinking. That's okay too. Maybe some of you are somewhere in between, a really nice balance of energy. Adjust your posture to support you the best that you can. It's comfortable, close your eyes. If you'd like your eyes open a little bit, that's fine. Especially if you're sleepy, that can help. And this invitation to keep coming back to uh, the idea of refuge within yourself. For some of you, this is easy. Some of you are drawn to practice because there is this feeling of coming home inside yourself. Connecting back into something that's always been here. But maybe that connection has been frayed or forgotten, dismissed. Or just not, not very clear. And here we are coming back into relationship with just being here, resting. And then for some of you, this idea of bringing our attention inward and that being a refuge, that might be a really strange idea, a new idea. Or maybe it brings in some fear, restlessness. I can't quite settle into that. So if that's your experience, don't feel you need to force anything. You can stay on the periphery of the body with your attention. You don't need to go mining down deep, trying to unearth What is it that's keeping you from settling in? There's something very violent about that. Unnecessary. Instead, hold your attention as close as you can with care. With patience. Relaxing 
the best you can. Holding out an invitation to come more fully into the body, to be embodied. And it'll take time, perhaps. But really, there's no rush. Take your time. Going back into the instructions of feeling the body sitting here or laying here. Feeling those places of contact and the heaviness of the body, the sense of solidity, support in the body. that along with that that rhythm of breath. going to notice the relative silence and stillness in the room right now with us. This isn't the stillness before the storm kind of stillness. You can assure your nervous system this is the kind of quiet and stillness of a spiritual container 
that's warm and here to hold whatever is going on within you. Might be that your internal experience mirrors that external quiet and stillness. Or it might be quite the opposite. Lots of thinking, restless body, big emotions, waves of emotion. Let it be held by the fullness of this silence and stillness. Give it space to flow through. Breathe big and deep. Mark your presence with your breath and with your body grounding here. busy mind when it's present thinking mind judgmental mind planning mind it's fine no it's just thinking it's just activity it's just energy got a certain flavor to it it's okay it's not wrong don't have to feed it let it do its thing bring your attention back to the body the breath the silence Acknowledge any emotions that have arisen. Don't need to push them away. Knowing that they're there, maybe naming them in your mind. It's okay to stay close to them, get to know their particular flavor. How do you know? that it's sadness? How do you know it's contentment, happiness? How do you know if it's anger? Feeling into the flavors of whatever emotional experience is present. Mindfulness rejects nothing. It doesn't have to feel or look or be anything in particular. Mindfulness is just this knowing, this contact with whatever is happening in our experience. fully here with it. It's the witness. 
a witness that's kind, allowing, there to add judgment. there to learn what it's like to be human being in this moment. And then wisdom coupled with mindfulness. Wisdom is the voice that comes in, the heart that comes in and helps you navigate. Oh, that's an old story. It's not really true. Oh, I should pay attention more to this. Oh, this is new. Or this is familiar. I know this. Wisdom says, that's enough. Thank you. says it's okay this part of me is welcome here too and has something to teach So we'll sit with our mindfulness of our experience and with our wisdom to navigate the experience in this stillness and silence together. Maybe about five more minutes or so.
And so as you open your eyes and move your body in whatever way feels really good to you right now, if you're feeling sleepy, you might stand up too and just kind of shake your body out a little bit and bring it some energy. Wake it up. Again, if you're needing to use the the restroom, um, this is a, a fine time to take care of yourself and do that. So while we're stretching and um, some are taking a break, um, I'll just tell a little story that is very, um, very much inspired by something that Betsy touched upon, which um, was this origin of women coming into Buddhist Dharma. And uh, Betsy, as you mentioned, you know the Buddha um, in the really early on um, established a women's community of nuns, which uh, for the the place in the time was radical. But the story of how that happened um, is an important one, especially in women's circles, and especially if you're wanting to connect into the lineage of, of the tradition. There was um, the sister of the Buddha's mother. His mother's name was Maya. Um, and her sister was uh, Pajipati. I say it right? Pajapati. Gautami. And uh, Maya actually died uh, soon after giving birth to the Buddha. Part of the tradition at that time was for women, when they became pregnant, just before they were going to give birth, to travel home to um, uh, their parents' home. And that's where they would give birth. And so she was on this journey uh, as a very pregnant woman and um, didn't make it all the way. She ended up giving birth on the road. And um, it's not clear in in the history why she died, but she didn't survive the childbirth. And so the Buddha, um, Siddhartha, was raised by his aunt, uh, Pachipati. And when and she she nursed him, she raised him as her own son, and loved him, uh, according to the stories. And then he left. 
know, the, the, some, some of you know the story of the Buddha that he um, was a person of privilege in a high caste in uh, northeastern India and let go of all of that and left. Um, he became a renunciate and wanted to find peace in his mind and awaken. And so he did that. And then, so there's the story of the awakening of the Buddha. But what doesn't always get told is what happened in that wake. So he had a son. He had a child, Rahula, who was then uh, being raised by the woman who uh, was the mother of this son without uh, the father being present. Uh, and not only was there the one wife, but he had a harem of women, which was an uncommon for that time. And there were, so there was a, a community of women that were his wives. And he left. And they didn't know when he was coming back or what to do or whether, where their place was uh, in the scheme of things. Um, so they went to Pajapati for advice and she became um, the person to go to, the wise elder woman in the community. And then at some point, um, uh, Siddhartha awoken, he became the Buddha, and he came back. He came back home and showed what who he was and, and his uh, teachings and his awakening. And many more of the men from the clan and the neighboring clan left too. And they left their homes and they left their children and all of their wives. And so there was this community of women, a large community of women. Um, traditionally, it said 500 women, which means... Um, was really standing for a lot of women. It wasn't necessarily 500, but it was the way it was expressed in, in the language of the time. Um, so we can imagine uh, a huge community of women, probably more than are here. And they, and the men were gone. And they didn't know what to do. So they went to Pajipati, asked, what do we do? <laughs> what are we going to do? And she became kind of the, the matriarch. She became um, the guide for this community of women. And, you know, as um, then their sons started to leave and follow the Buddha, and their purpose became really unclear. Well, what do we do with ourselves? We don't want to just hang out here. Um, they, they were interested in the teachings themselves, and so they started to practice. And they started practicing on their own and with each other. And they wanted to ordain. They wanted to be part of this new life. Um, and so uh, Pajipati went to the Buddha and said, please allow me to ordain and let me ordain this community of women. We, we can practice. We can awaken. We can, we can do this. And he said, no, don't ask this of me. And then she came back again and asked again a second time. And he said, no, I can't, I'll, this is too 
it was seen as would be extreme to allow women to come into what's called the homeless life, this renunciate life, um, that it was unfit in the culture at the time. So don't ask me to do this. And so then she came back a third time. And again, he said no. So then she was so struck with grief in this feeling of, I imagine, anger that, you know, she knew her capacity and the capacity of this, these women and that this way actually offered incredible freedom of not being beholden to any men um, to live their life and fully develop their spiritual lives. Um, they wanted this. They needed this. And so Ananda, who was the attendant of the Buddha, saw her crying and she had cut off her hair and put on saffron robes and was just doing it. And he saw her. And then um, she, and he went to the Buddha and asked the Buddha, come on. (laughs) With compassion, please allow them to start this community. Please ordain them. And he said no. And he came a second time. And again, the answer was no. These women banded together. They were so determined The Buddha had left. He started um, his travels elsewhere and was pretty far ahead of them. They banded together and they marched. And they marched to the Buddha to claim their right to be um, in this this spiritual tradition. And so at that time, I can imagine what that would have looked like Uh, this huge grouping of women, some of them with their hair cut off, some of them wearing just the saffron robes, um, demanding the, the ordination and really already, and already engaged, already doing it. And so Ananda went to the Buddha a third time and said, please look, look, consider this. And he said, yes, yes, I will. It was clear. But it wasn't something that was just handed to women. It wasn't just like, oh yeah, you should be in here too. I think the story is important because this grouping of women, when we trace back this lineage of where, um, where we're coming from, if you are engaged in, in, in the Buddhist lineage, that women actually stood up and fought for it. That they, they stood for what they knew was right and what they wanted. And so um, even today, there are pockets of communities of Buddhist women around the world who are um, fighting for equality in their, in their own way. We have a nuns community here in California, Aloka Vihara, it's up in the foothills of the Sierras. Aya Ananda Bodhi is um, one of the abbesses of the community and um, sits on our um, teacher's council here at Spirit Rock. And um, they are a fully ordained um, Theravadan nuns community that actually had to break away from the Thai um, uh, lineage and create and start their own 
so that they could have full ordination. Um, And they fought hard for that. And they did it. And that's just within the last 10 years or so. And so these movements, even within Buddhism, among women, um, coming into contact with a deep truth and understanding that, yes, awakening is not based on gender, but um, uh, there, because there are these patriarchal systems, gender becomes an obstacle in, uh, in the overall system, which then poisons our mind, thinking that, that within ourself that there is some kind of limitation. And so there's a need to to actually step in sometimes, step into the fire with this and, and sit strongly with uh, what is really true. So when I come into a grouping of women like this, the story comes to mind. And it brings me back into one piece of lineage that I feel connected to um, in my spiritual life. And then, of course, there are uh, lineages connected to our spiritual life and who we are right here in this moment, each of us, that aren't necessarily connected to Buddhism. They can be connected to uh, different religions, different backgrounds, upbringings, um, uh, different uh, family lineages that we feel connected to. And I want to take some time for each of us to explore this idea of spiritual lineage and path and where ours actually began. Each of our stories is going to be different. The influences are different. So there's no right way to to have this unfold and explore it. But I want you to think back to when uh, your spiritual practices or life began and start to connect the dots to where you are right here how did you get here to this day or into this practice what all has happened some of it is probably beautiful and some of it might be really ugly but all of it has led you here to this moment in your life whether this is a big impactful moment or not it doesn't really matter but just the idea that you're engaged in uh, the spiritual life in some way. How did you get here? You might be able to say, it started at my birth, and I know that's true. You might say, it started somewhere you know, in my, in my lifetime, and I have a really clear sense, or there might be small moments that added up to something. It might be that you can trace it back to generations before you and see how that thread has carried you here. All of which we can honor with for ourselves. Our stories are really important. Our stories of how we got to this point in time and our hearing the Dharma and engaged in it really matter. And so to help us do this, I have, um, I'll need help from volunteers, the volunteers that are in the room. 
um, to grab the paper and the pens and the crayons because you're going to do this solo. It won't be a group exploration. It'll be a slow, solo exploration. And I'd like you to take some time to kind of map out your uh, spiritual lineage, your spiritual path. It doesn't have to be clear. It doesn't have to be cohesive. It only has to make sense to you. It can be very linear. You might have a mind that, um, you know, you're going to have lots of words in there and uh, be able to list things out, and that might work really well for you. Others of you, it might be more of a creative expression, and there'll be lots of color and movement on the page that only you can understand. And so I want you just to take time to do this for yourself, acknowledging your story, recording your story, so that it's something you can um, connect back into if you've lost this history, if you've never thought of it before, or just re-familiarize yourself with it if it's something that you have worked with in the past. Any questions about this activity? So, um, paper is coming around, and what I think are crayons and colored pencils. So, grab what you need. And then take some space. So, you might want to spread out in the room, you might want to stay right where you are. It's fine. Take some time to just be with yourself. And then I'm going to sit up here, and if you have questions that come up as you're doing this, you can just raise your hand, and I'll, I'll come by and help you out. That's what you need.
We'll just take another couple minutes. This is a, a good time to come to a, an ending place. doesn't mean that it has to be totally done. You can take it home and keep that exploration going. And then for others of you, you feel pretty done. That's great. Okay. You can you can stay where you are if you're over by the windows and you like it over there or move back to your sitting spot. Pens and crayons can go back in the bin. I think there's one in the back there and there's one up here. That's
I love that that reflection of how did I get here? <laughs> There's um, a few places in the teachings where there's reference to the fact that although waking up is this human capacity, it's said that only a few in a given lifetime, only a few um, have just a little bit of dust in the eyes and can find the teachings and the practice and find a path that leads to freedom in the heart and mind. That not everyone is that lucky. Even if you feel like, well, I haven't gotten very far in this. (laughs) It doesn't matter in the cosmology, really. It's more about the fact that you started, you began, you're interested, you've heard something, it's touched you in some way. Just a little bit less dust in the eyes. We're starting to see things a little bit clearer. And of course, in Buddhist cosmology, it might take you lifetimes. (laughs) But in this lifetime, at least you you started. And who knows about past your past lives? And you don't have to believe in any of that stuff to do this. But I just find it interesting. I also find it kind of relieving in a way to reflect in this way because, of course, all of us have gone through what are considered the life's uh, 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows of, of humanity. You know, everybody here has experienced loss of some kind. Everyone here has had their heart broken. Everyone here has experienced really deep disappointment, self-judgment or judgment from others. Um, We've experienced hatred and harm from others in some way. Everybody here has also experienced uh, compassion, uh, care from another person. We've had moments of care for ourselves. You wouldn't be here if you didn't care just a little bit about yourself. That's a good thing. Everybody here has experienced moments of success and triumph and strength and courage and beauty and joy, connection. All of these moments in our life, even though we're, we're focusing on presence of right now, you know, that metronome of the of the breath, just this, just this, just this. But even within that, what's encapsulated in that is a whole history that we show up to our cushion with. It's not really happening here in the moment. It's in the past. But it's shaped us in some way. It's somehow guided us here in this moment. So even from incredible hurt and experiencing the the ugliness of life, even those moments, whether we've experienced it, the harm from someone else, or just maybe harm that we've caused, you know, 
that somehow that's all part of it. It doesn't, it doesn't get left out in our spiritual life. And then, of course, all the, the joys and the beauty and those moments of seeing things clearly and understanding and getting it, those brought us here too, that it all counts in some way. That acknowledging and understanding our stories is important. It's part of what we start to unravel, the understanding of, of ourself. And of course, it's never just an understanding of ourself. It's the understanding of human nature. It's the understanding of each other, what it's like to be a human being in all these individual forms, but human being nonetheless. This is part of our awakening story that none of it gets left out. So I love exploring that question of how did I get here? So I hope you enjoyed that. And I'd like us to now engage in a heart practice to kind of uh, follow up with that, to um, come in touch with that, that deep care that is in each and every one of you that brings you uh, to this kind of practice that cares enough to care for your own heart and mind to be here. Even if you're here because you want to be better for somebody else, want to be a um, better you know, partner or a better mother or better sister, whatever it is, better colleague. Um, but you brought yourself here, you know. So there's some care here. I want to touch into that with you in something that I call a tenderness practice, which is very much um, coming from the Brahma Viharas, which are the set of uh, heart practices in Buddhism. Um, there's a set of four traditional ones, and this one blends a few together, and I find is kind of a nice uh, stepping off point into real heart work. So this is the tenderness practice. And this is a practice that um, I started cultivating and practice these days um, almost exclusively in my own personal practice. Uh, It's helped me go through intense grief. I went through a period of really intense grief um, about a year and a half, two years ago. Um, it's It's what allows us to stay steady when uh, the dukkha or the suffering is present. It allows us to acknowledge and stay close to even those parts of ourselves that are wounded or unsure, the parts that feel shaky um, or unwanted. So these heart practices, they they bring a wholeness to our experience. So I'm excited to bring you through this with me. And to do it, it's really important to find a posture that is comfortable and supportive the best you can. So this is one, if you want to lay down, this is a great laying down meditation. If you want to stay in your chair or sitting up, that's just great too, whatever you need to do. If you fall asleep in this meditation, great. (laughs) If we hear you snoring, We'll be wishing you well. It's probably what 
you're needing. It's sleep, sometimes sleep and naps. That's, that's good food for, for the heart. It's medicine. I find most of us are, are short of it. As you find your your posture, start with some deeper breaths, breathing in, feeling that expansion of the body, breathing out, letting yourself let go and release. Breathing in. Breathing into all those places that might be uncomfortable, tight, maybe some tender place in the body, holding different emotions. Let those areas expand with the in-breath, and as you breathe out, relax. Relax down into... Whatever it is that's holding you right now, the floor, your cushion, the chair, let the body be held. That in itself can be such a gift to just let yourself be held. That you don't have to hold up this body right now. Not entirely. Receive the support. The cushions, the floor, that chair. Breathing deeply and fully. going for some ultimate perfection of experience in the body. You might have aching or chronic pain or you know something that just feels a little off. It's okay. Relax. Be held. It's just fine and it's imperfection. And then if it feels comfortable, you can continue to breathe in ways that, in a way that feels soothing. So that might be taking longer, deeper breaths. It might be taking very soft, short breaths. Whatever works for you right now. 
And then we're going to bring attention to the hands. Such a perfect song that Betsy sang earlier. Bringing attention to the hands. You don't have to look at them this time. Um, But just feel the sensations in your hands. And the hands can now become this mudra of, or a symbol of our care for ourselves. You can take this caring, loving hand and start to massage the body. So bringing it up to the arms and the shoulders, the neck, if it's needing some attention. It's doing so mindfully. Even massaging one hand with the other can feel really good and tender. Let yourself be really present for this sensation of you caring for yourself, feeling that pressure of the hand massaging the body. You can bring it to the legs, you know, whatever needs that attention. back, upper back. You can do your best to bring a hand to these areas. Even just resting the hand or both hands on the low back and feeling that connection, that care coming through. And then when you're ready, allowing the hands to rest either somewhere that is needing that attention. You know, it might be at your stomach, putting the hands at the stomach. We hold a lot here. It might be up at the heart area, heart center. Sometimes I do both, one at the stomach, one at the heart center. You might want a hand on the cheek or on the eyes, over the eyes, on the forehead. Keep breathing in a way that's soothing as you're doing this. Sometimes bringing the hand uh, below the navel, kind of that womb area, Even just feeling one hand holding the other. Whatever feels comfortable and supportive. Breathing. Feeling that 
that holding where the hand is making pressure against the body. It's a gentle touch. Breathing with a sense of care for yourself. And if the feelings of care and love are coming forward, then you can shift your attention to focus on those feelings. And allow those feelings to be as big and occupy as much of the body as they want to. They might be very small, just a, a seedling of feeling of care. Or they might be really expansive, maybe even going out beyond the boundaries of the body. Breathe deeply with whatever the experience of care might be. It might not be detectable, and it doesn't mean it's not there. I strongly believe you wouldn't be here if it wasn't there. It's just not showing itself in this moment. If that's true, then staying in touch with the sensation of the hands resting, making that contact of care. If the mind is feeling a little flat, it's hard to focus, maybe a little sleepy, then engaging the mind a bit can be helpful. So just like we were noting the breathing in and out, we can note how we feel for ourselves. So in your mind, you can say, I care about myself. Or even, I love myself. Or talk to yourself, I love you. I love you. I care. There's a beautiful phrase, I love you, keep going. I love you, keep going. There might be other messages that your wisdom has to say to you.
the mind might go into story, remembering different images coming up, people coming to mind, situations coming to mind. Sometimes it's nice, they're inspiring, and we can fold them into our practice as inspiration. And other times they feel like they're just distracting or, you know, kind of tainting the experience of care with self-judgment or doubt. And so you can see what's true for you. See if you can adjust the mind. Make a choice to either fold in the inspiration, breathing deeply with it, connecting back to yourself and your sense of care. Coming back to the phrases. Or internally, just bowing to that busy mind, trying to maybe take you in a different direction. That's not so helpful. Not now. Thank you. Or if it's bringing in old hurts, I don't deserve this, not worthy. Bringing to mind people you've harmed. And so you're not deserving of such care. See if you can bring in that hurt, come back to the feeling it brings, that sadness, disappointment, rigidity, tightness. Come into contact with that and not the story. And then bring that tenderness and care. towards those feelings and experiences. All those hurts need this tenderness and care of attention so we can fold them in. This too, I care about this suffering. I care about this wounding, this hurt. May I feel whole. May I heal. May I hold this with compassion. Hold this with patience and love. If you're just bombarded with self-judgment, then bring in the image of someone in your life who really sees how wonderful you are, who sees the goodness in you. That person that cheers you on is your friend, someone who has some wisdom, supports you in some way. Could be a teacher, could be a friend. 
could be a relative. You know, people who choose their dog. Because your dog will only see the best in you as you feed them and walk them. You can choose someone, maybe who's inspiring to you, but you've never met. Bring them to mind. Let them carry the wisdom. Let them remind you that it's okay to have compassion for yourself. neighbor is snoring, you can wish them well. She's resting deeply and is needing that. Bring your attention back to the breath, back to the body. That tenderness of touch. Tenderness of care. I'll ring the bell and you can slowly come out of the meditation.
We're getting close to the end of our time here together. Um, I want to bring you... Whoops. Oh, now I did it. <laughs> I want to bring um, you all back into our circle so you can come back in. And then uh, Mike volunteers. I'm going to need your help with the mics. Join us. So we've touched upon many different ways to cultivate the practice and to cultivate it here together as a grouping of women. And all of it focused not just so that we feel better. That's a nice byproduct, hopefully, you're feeling good about today. But it's all pointing back to wisdom and the cultivation of wisdom. Wisdom that comes when our, our hearts and our minds aren't so rigid and tight, when they um, open and become available to dharma, to truth of how things are. That this is something that we each do individually and, of course, something that we do here together as a collective. So the wisdom that might come up, come through, um, it's not like it's my wisdom. It's not your wisdom. It's, it's wisdom. It's something that flows through all of us. So I'd like to invite... Um, you, uh, those who want to share, we'll, we'll just do a quick go around with the mic. Um, so we'll, this will have to be paced in a certain way so the mic can get to you to share um, what wisdom has had to say to you today. And you might just take a moment to reflect on that. What has wisdom had to say to you today? And then if you're ready to share, you can just raise your hand and we'll hear from a, a collective of you. Okay, thank you. Uh, hello, my name is Armand and I was just now... Uh, reminded that when you feel that you're not being generous or patient or whatever it is with others, that you need to be that with yourself first. And I have a couple of daughters who need uh, reminding of that as well. Hmm. Uh, and thank you for this day, Kate. Thank you. Anyone else? Right here. Let's do names. That's nice. Hi, I'm, I'm, you hear me? I'm yeah. Linda. Um, 
what I was reminded of today was the reconnection with the wisdom that is here, that is available always. And uh, my heart just feels full, and I feel uh, a lot of trust in that wisdom. Hmm. In other settings, sometimes I go back and forth between trusting that wisdom, but in this group of all of you, with all of you and all of the exercises that we did, um, it just feels very, very present. And uh-huh. I feel uh, very full and grateful. Thank you. I've had a practice through the years that's involved a lot of creativity, uh, song, dance, things that aren't typical, uh, but I haven't thought as typical coming from teachers, male teachers. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't realize the um, authenticity of it, the preciousness, of, that it's another way of approaching um, a very dear practice of my heart. And I didn't, I never met anybody <laughs> who practiced like I do. Hmm. So it's a surprise, you know, a lovely surprise. Hmm. And very precious. Thank, so thank you. you. Thank you. There was another hand here. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Terry. Um, just briefly, I, I've been reminded once again of, um, I loved the story about um, the nuns and, and the women in Buddha's, um, Siddhartha's and Buddha's um, existence and life and realm, and that just really touched me. And how um, we have to stand forward and, and really um, let our power come forward and, and seek and stand up for what we need and um, deserve in our lives. And um, I, too, feel very full. Um, and recognizing and realizing um, I haven't done a retreat for a while. And it just feels so good to be here and how accessible this is and, and to remember that and um, the love and generosity and wisdom that's to be had in a group of women. So thank you very much. Thank you. My name's Barbara, and um, I was really struck by a lot of things this uh, just today, um, and I really appreciated your leadership in the... Um, but I uh, was... One thing I was struck by was the... Um, phrase decolonizing the mind Mm -hmm. and decolonizing the mind um, of patriarchy Um, that really struck me Um, and I just realized how um, unconscious I've been on on a deeper level 
you know, I, I mean, I've been conscious of that, but I, I haven't had a term. So now, now I have a term, and that term allowed me to go much deeper into considering what that, what this really means. And um, uh, today gave me a lot more reason to honor myself in the way I am um, when I'm feeling wholly and completely myself. Thank you. Um, I have a resource um, to hear more about this idea of decolonizing the mind. Uh, Bonnie Duran, who is a Dharma teacher, and the two of us actually went through the training together. Um, she's up in Seattle, Washington, and she talks quite a bit about this. And I've learned a lot from her um, as a, a woman of color who um, brings a really amazing perspective to this and speaks um, to it quite often. So a Dharma Seed is a free um, outlet and um, dharmaseed.com has audio recordings. Type in Bonnie Durant and you'll find it. Yeah. Okay. Then we'll do one and then two and uh, go to the next. Um, I'm Diana and for me, what came up today is, um, I think I've always thought that with meditation and spirituality, it kind of needs to be this isolated practice where you're alone in the process, and if you feel the desire to be present with others or think about others in the process, you're kind of doing it wrong. Mm. Um, and when we were doing the spiritual lineage exercise, I realized that spirituality is this desire to connect like reconnect with everything and mm. um and that can't always well i don't know if it can be done in isolation so um it was really nice to be here with the community and feel like it's okay to want to connect with others be in community and still have that be a, a spiritually enriching experience yes and you know the buddha taught in that way he didn't just stay in isolation he went into community he created huge communities of practitioners who practiced together men women um, nuns monks lay people um, and part of one of the classical refuges is in sangha is in the the, the community of wise practitioners of awakening or awakened practitioners um, and sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on that or we've devalued it in some way. Um, but it's true. Yes, that is a truth that we, we do need each other on this path. That that's, that's not only okay, but it's, it's a need <laughs> that we can fill. Yeah. Thank you. My name is Marisa, and two things I was really physically and emotionally struck by the wisdom in listening with one's as much as possible full body and heart, and what a gift that is to listen in that way and be listened to. And so it reminded me of 
how I could create more of that in my life mm -hmm. and what a gift it is in both ways. And then the other aspect of wisdom, when we did the lineage and the singing, I was reminded of how blessed I am to have been born into a family where we spoke about curanderas and healing women, mm. which was my great-great-grandmother, and all of the songs and ways of healing. And it made me want to share that more because I, I, I just somehow wasn't thinking, oh, maybe no one knows or some people don't know what this is or they haven't had that. And so I was really reminded of those gifts of uh, my upbringing and the elders in my life who passed that down to me through yeah. women and ways of knowing and healing. And so it made me want to share that. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you for that collective wisdom. And I know there's more. And it doesn't all have to be spoken out loud right now. Um, but just really appreciate the way that this group, we never know when we have a day of people coming together, what, who you are going to be. <laughs> and what a wonderful um, um, practice group we became, practice community we became so quickly. And I appreciate that. And um, just thank you very much for the way everyone's shown up today. And um, I'd like to call up the, the um, four women um, whom I didn't refer to them this way, but we're, I've been calling them the founding mothers of this new community. Um, so come on up. Um, so we can, we're going to just tell you about this really briefly. Um, so often we have these gatherings like this and then they disperse. Whoops. And it's like, you know, good luck, find your thing, <laughs> come back. But, you know, it never comes back in the same way. And, and this won't come back in the same way, but we, we have something that we are creating that, um, Thank you. It's so uh, related to what we've done today, all this this practice and connecting today. And I mentioned it earlier um, that we've been, this group, we've been revisioning the idea of sangha or, or practice community through the lens of women um, and, and deconstructing um, through some pretty amazing conversations, um, the, the patriarchal models and all different um, oppressive models that get in the way of awakening. And um, so it's gone from this vision phase into a doing phase, creating or, you know, it went through uh, gestation. <laughs> We've been talking about it as a birth. We're birthing this thing. And... Um, you know, it's it's still in process right now, what this will be, but it will be a community for women to practice, and it will be in the East Bay. And it will be something that is starting um, early in the new year. Um, and we are very excited about it. It's called the Asaya Community, and it might um, change. It might be Asaya Center, Asaya uh, Asaya um, 
women's community, I don't know. But we know this word, asaya, is uh, a word that is in Pali, which is the language that was spoken at the time of the Buddha and this was the Buddha's um, teachings were recorded in. And this word encapsulates different things, but um, primarily refuge, safe space. Um, sometimes it's referred to as the body, as a place of where you're sitting. And so it's pointing back to this idea of refuge within, as well as this collective refuge of um, practitioners practicing together. So what a perfect name for a community like this. And um, so I wanted to uh, just have... um, since Shakti and Betsy, you've heard from them, I wanted Deb and Natalie to have um, some some time to um, <laughs> just say a little bit about what this means to them and um, and what we've been up to. Share that with you. Is this on? It is. Great. Um. When Kate asked me to reflect on what it's been, why I'm a part of this group, um, what came up for me was that 10 years ago when I was introduced to the practice um, in a much shorter experience than this one, I ran out of the room um, because I think I started to discover how much of myself I had lost along the way in my life Um, and how disconnected I was actually from myself and from other people in any kind of real way. Many of you have talked about this, and, um, and when I hear your reflections, I hear, I hear my own experience. I learn so much from rooms um, filled with, with you. Um, along the way, I started this practice, and I think the practice brought to the U.S. for me felt like it was held, as Kate talked about earlier, through sort of a, a male um, lens. And so I did a lot of insight practice, and I could see a lot more and as that seeing arose, what, what I struggled with is without the compassion or the tenderness that Kate held today, I was seeing more and more anger and pain and suffering, and I didn't have anything to hold that with. I didn't have any practices to hold that with. And I found I was hitting this wall of pain until I started to discover teachers like Kate who could hold this divine feminine and really hold compassion and and have that be a part of the other part of my practice and start to reclaim that part of me that is that divine feminine. And so today when I think about this group that we're creating, what I realize now in connecting the dots backwards um, was sort of brought home to me a couple of weeks ago. I saw the Surgeon General um, under Obama, his name is Vivek Murthy, speak a couple of weeks ago. And I worked in public health for a while. And he said that that what he discovered in his work for three years, thinking about a lot of the crises in our our country, um, opioid epidemics and illness and other things, that um, rather than focusing on those things, he focused on something that he thought was the root cause of what was causing a lot of pain in our society, which was, he said, loneliness. And true loneliness, like loneliness, we, that this is what really drives all of those things, that deep suffering or dukkha. And that was my experience. And when Kate made the call about this group, I had felt this call towards really cultivating community and, and sort of the, the, the thing that made this a unique call is that I have found that where I have found the, the place to reclaim myself and to reclaim connection has been with women. 
because women hold a space for each other. When we share our stories, I was talking to a friend over here earlier, I hear a story from you, and it, like, helps me reclaim a part of myself. And that's what I've experienced with women, that women have been um, the rest of me finding my connection back to myself and to authentic relationship. So it just felt like the most natural thing in the world. Okay, I'm going to try. Well, Kate asked me, um, you know, how did I get here? I mean, she asked all of you that, but it's like sitting here in this chair. And when she asked me that, she said, would you share some thoughts? And I thought, the first word that came into my little brain was patriarchy. And I realized in the seven plus decades of my existence that I've heard over, over, over again what I'm not allowed to be or do. Can't be too smart. Can't be too cute. Can't be your wise ass. You know, you can't be whatever. And I was. I was kind of stunned because I thought I could be anything. I mean, I thought I was going to be a white horse when I grew up. So, you know, I'm still working on that. Uh, So maybe a horse. Um, But what happened was I, I just kept thinking that I could do these things. And by the time I became like a single mom, I went into tech, I started a software company, a couple of them, worked for big companies, and all the while I realized up close and personal the powerful challenges I had, I was up against as an executive, as anybody, it's like, who are you to be here? And I thought, I'm here. I'm I'm showing up. I'm not in the cheap seats. I'm down there, okay? And it just didn't, you know, it was hard. It was very hard. And even as a practicing Buddhist that saved my soul, um, sanity also, (laughs) uh, I thought, wow, how how am I going to get through this? And it was really through the Dharma that I got to know who I was and to honor that and to really like me, you know, like I'm okay. And that part was just beautiful. So, and even with the Buddhist, you know, um, I was confronted with centuries worth of injustice relative to women. However, when I heard Kate, I and I've been following her for a while, as she knows, I just was so struck by her honoring diversity in women, her valuing the feminine spiritual awakening in this lineage, her compassion. And although I was feeling 
these things, it just all coalesced. And I went, oh, my God, I found my teacher. This is so cool. I mean, I was doing the happy dance all the time. So that part was great. And then I meet these beautiful, wonderful women. And what I found was we all aspire to the same thing. We want to uplift women. We want to support them in that wonderful spiritual journey that you are all on. So thank you so much for being here. So I'll just say a little bit more and then we're going to go into, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> we'll go into a little, um, some Q&A, I think. Yeah, a little bit of Q&A. <laughs> um, so thank you for, for sharing. And, and they've said some really nice things about me. But I, w- I just wanted to be clear that um, although I'm, I'm a, I'll be a guiding teacher for this community that's forming and I'm holding um, the vision w- with, with these women, um, this is not a teacher-centric community that this is a community um, focused on community, Um, that Sangha is a primary as well as uh, the development, the spiritual development um, of the Dharma, um, as well as um, the the aspect of dana, which is often referred to as, you know, the the money exchange (laughs) that we have in so many of the communities. Um, Not this one. This is about, Donna is the spirit of generosity. It's the spirit of of everyone who will be in this community um, actually um, being a part of the community, um, giving service to the community, that it's, it's run by the community, just not just a small group of women, but by all the women who want to be members of it. Um, that service is, is the Donna. Um, so there'll be a lot more information. There, is, um, there are sign-up lists in the hallway here on a table that I think has also my personal email list and Betsy's CDs. Um, um, forget my email list. Go look at the, <laughs> if you want to be contacted about this in the future, sign up for the community um, uh, email list. And on there, there's an area where you can list, if you want, any um, skills, uh, professional um, experience, passions that you have that you think might be of service to a community like this because we are looking before we really launch we're, we're looking for legal assistance for nonprofit. Um, we're looking for fundraisers we're looking for people who have um, experience in, uh, developing um, governance within nonprofits um, people Accounting, <laughs> um, uh, people who are interested in and have experience in, in building community, um, social justice work, um, anything like this, and you think, ooh, I could, I could actually be a real service to this, and I want to be, 
um, just put a little note next to your email there. You'll see the space for it and, and just tell us what that might be um, so we can get in touch with you. So, um, yeah, I think that's all we'll say about um, our, commun- our building community. Before I do the closing ceremony, I'm wondering if there's just any general questions about today, about practice, about um, practicing with women, um, anything that's come up in your mind that you'd like to ask that you haven't been able to, and we'll run a a mic um, just behind you here. D. Sure, the question was, is this particular day, right, offered annually, or is there some regular regular something going on with it? There are, throughout the year, different teachers offering different women's um, affinity day retreats. Um, and they're, they're all a little different. They have different focuses, different voices. Um, but it is something that pops up on the schedule now and then here at, at Spirit Rock. Um, this is the second one I've taught in maybe a couple of years, so it's not something I've been doing on a regular basis personally, but I guess I will be (laughs) in the East Bay, though not necessarily here. So we don't know yet exactly. (laughs) We do. Yeah, that's right. We do have a space, but, but yeah, yeah, we're still working that out. Um, I'm just curious about the women's sangha. If the vision is to have uh, a weekly practice, bi-weekly, monthly, mm-hmm. you don't, or you don't. Well, starting with something probably weekly and and building from there. So it depends on what kind of space we have available to us. And the more we have ownership of a space, I think we can fill in that um, the so offerings you're for a space. Yeah, you're looking for a space in the East Bay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank, thank you. That's okay. Um, is it just on? It is. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Where do you fit in with Spirit Rock with the program that you're starting? Uh huh. Um, well, I'm a. I'm on the um, guiding. I'm. What am I? Teacher council. I'm on the teacher council here at Spirit Rock. So I'm a Spirit Rock teacher. Um, and so the community will be affiliated uh, to Spirit Rock through my affiliation, and we haven't established a further affiliation, but there there could be. And um, it also ties us into other communities that are in um, in the Bay Area and beyond that have that affiliation. If that makes sense. I'm just sort of curious. You're promoting your new program. Here at Spirit Rock, that has mm-hmm. a program, and I find that to be interesting. Mm-hmm. From a business standpoint. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What we're offering is different than what they have, than what they have here. There's someone in the East Bay who um, has been looking for a community that's more local. I'm and I, mean, I love Spirit Rock, but I um, I can't um, necessarily drive over here all that often. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited here um, that there's something that's forming here that will be likable. That's great. 
<laughs> Can I chime in? Sorry, I have a yes. Okay, I wasn't sure if there was someone else. I was just curious if um, if you'll be offering childcare um, to continue <laughs> on my theme, and um, and also just in general, how um, as uh, for those of you who have been parents, how you've balanced practice and parenting um, because that's. I don't know, one of the biggest hurdles I feel like I need to get over. And also just like um, like you were talking about, Betsy Rose, about like, you know, at some point needing to honor your own needs and not those of your partners and, and just mm-hmm. that, that dynamic there, if you could speak to that, um, whoever mm-hmm. feels comfortable. Yeah, I think maybe um, there could be a collective response to that. Um, yeah, as far as child care, that's definitely on our minds. <laughs> Yeah, to be, you know, if we're having a women's space, that's got to be um, a part of the the offering. Um, about the, about child care? We need a mic, a second mic up here. Thank you. Um, I have uh, held sits in the evening um, this past uh, semester. Yeah. And um, I'm Indian, and I grew up with children running around all our spiritual activities. It was just normal. Like, a child cries very loudly. They're taken out otherwise. And in my current sit, I have a three-year-old who's very, very interested. And she carries her zafu, you know, like, like drags it because she can't lift it and sits down. And um, we just let her run out and come back in as she likes, you know, and um, I, I really wonder if more of this can happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of um, parenting, um, the three of us are moms, and um, yeah, what that can look like. And um, it is more challenging. <laughs> it's just there's more. You're more that you're juggling usually. Um, your your time is no longer your time. <laughs> you have to carve it. You do have to carve it out. But f- I know for myself, um, it's just been about really prioritizing, even if it's a short period of time. Um, and just making that happen and and communicating that with my partner that this is what I'm doing at this time and you have to watch our son. <laughs> like this is what, this is, you know, because a, a period of time um, is very reasonable to ask for. And I don't know that you were saying this, but um, maybe just to the, the general um, group it's not something to be shy of to ask for that for that time. Um, I find practicing in different ways during the day is really helpful. So I get these moments where my son is occupied. Um, I can practice. He can be in the room or not, and I can just get these moments of time throughout the day. Bringing more practice into movement and activity is really helpful as well. Uh, and then, and then claiming, you know, this Sunday on th- this Sunday of the month, I'm going to this practice, whatever group or day long or whatever it is, and 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 claiming those spaces for yourself um, 
it's, uh, I think it's really important. It, it'll support you as a mom, um, to be a better mom, even, um, better partner. Um, but it's, it's a matter of how we're, we're perceiving it as a priority, as, as a real value. Um, I think that's probably the biggest hurdle is, is our own relationship with it, uh, rather than, you know, others, you know, the story can be, I just don't have time. Like, no one's giving me the time I need. You have to really, you have to take it in the ways that are appropriate and responsible. But but you can do that. Yeah. And then, Betsy, did you sure. want to respond? I would just add a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> I did raise a child during my Dharma, you know, younger Dharma years. And um, I do want to mention our family program again, because if your children are of a certain age, um, we have day-longs, and we also have a wonderful residential retreat, and the kids are generally really happy, and the parents get a break. They get time for themselves. Mm -hmm. So there's that. But I think what I'm thinking of is the whole idea of village, you know, and that I'm hoping that whatever we create kind of brings in that... that, um, uh, understanding that it that it takes a village and that there are elder people here, women here, there are younger women here. And wouldn't it be beautiful if our sangha had not just room for children to be there, I want that very much, but also like a collective of, of other maybe elder women who aren't raising children saying, we'll take the kids, You come on, you know, you need a day to yourself. Mm-hmm. And just that kind of exchange of energy, you know, because I know as a, an elder woman, I get so much out of being with little ones. Oh my goodness, I just, I'm not a grandma. And um, so, so I just think there might be ways we haven't quite even imagined yet of ways to support each other at whatever phase of life we are so that we can benefit from from Dharma practice. Mm -hmm. One quick thing. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, what has been helpful is I call it every day doing the dishes Dharma, where, you, you know, as a mom or if you're, you know, running a business or whatever, it's that, it's the moment where you just are present. You're just aware. Mm-hmm. You're right there. And it really, the more and more those are kind of linked, the freer you become. Mm-hmm. You really do. Thank you. And then maybe... Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks, Shakti. Oops. Um, so I feel like I'm about to echo a question that was <laughs> asked at, like, my first ever teen meditation retreat. Um... But, you know, the, the practices of um, metta and um, selflessness in Buddhism that have been passed on to me really made intuitive sense because they aligned with, like, what I was taught that I should be like, according mm. to, you know, along with being a woman. Um, but I feel like I'm really struggling lately um, along similar lines, but in more of a professional context with the idea of selfishness and having to set boundaries and having to make salary requests. And, um, it's really, it's really coming up against a lot of internalized, um, like shame around taking up space in the world. Um, and I'm, I'm struggling with leaning on my meditation practice because it, that doesn't align with any of the teachings that were passed on to me. And so I'm wondering, if you have suggestions for teachings or teachers or um, lines of wisdom to go about doing this, because I, I know that I need my meditation practice right now. I'm just not 
I'm just struggling with that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this idea of um, of self compassion and metta, or the, which is a word for loving kindness towards ourself and practicing for, you know, that this, um, somehow gets, um, confusing with, um, it seems to be a bit of a, uh, more of like a Western psychological, um, idea around, um, selfishness, um, that, that care for ourself or speaking up for ourselves is somehow causing harm. And I think that's what you would want to look at is if that's true. (laughs) The worthiness factor. Um, There's a story about the Dalai Lama visiting Insight Meditation Society, which is the retreat center that's affiliated, we're affiliated with here at Spirit Rock, um, it's like the East Coast version of Spirit Rock. Um, and the Dalai Lama came and taught a retreat um, to a lot of advanced practitioners and teachers. And one of the um, practitioners, after this long retreat, raised his hand and said, can you speak to, I think the word he used was um, this feeling of unworthiness. And if someone knows the story and I'm using the wrong word, let me know. But I think it was the word unworthiness. And the Dalai Lama, who speaks um, pretty good English, had a, also goes, still to this day, always has a translator. And so the translator translates. Um, and the Dalai Lama kind of leaned in and asked him to translate it again. And they're kind of going back and forth, back and forth. And it was kind of like he didn't understand <laughs> what that was, which I imagine if you grew up thinking you're the Dalai Lama, <laughs> this concept of unworthiness is like, what? <laughs> but he finally just leaned forward, and the way it's told by the people who were there is just with an outpour of care, and just leaned forward to the man who asked and just said, That's just not true. It's just not true. And that was it. <laughs> So I think there's this idea that we have it's around our worthiness that is this perception. It's just not true. And so the harm thing I find most helpful, though, is the fear that um, I think when it comes down to it is that the selfishness equals harm in some way or that we're causing something bad in the world, you know. Is that really true? No, that's not true. That these these practices to cultivate our ourselves in this way, to really care for ourselves and love ourselves, um, it's never for the benefit of just us anyway. Like the whole idea that this is an individualized practice is also just wrong. That the outpouring of that cultivation, it'll never, you can't contain it. It'll never just be for you. It'll flow out into your relationships. The more wise and compassionate you become, the more wise and compassionate your relationships become. And the way you interact and flow through the world is you're holding that with you. 
it's a great gift. It's a great gift. And so that's in terms of the Dharma, in terms of asking for, for raises and, and support. Support for what? For your well-being? For your stability? Is that causing harm? No. No. And from that place of, of, of benefit, of privilege, or whatever it is, how are we using it? Can we use it to create more non-harming for more of this that we're cultivating here? Yes. Yes, we can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We have time for maybe one more, and then... We'll do a closing ceremony. Or we might be, we might be just done. (laughs) That's also okay. Oh, here we go. So much. Um, I found at other retreats, I've often got that feeling of I need to leave, I need to go there's something to do and right. I found myself at lunch having to go get lunch going, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to stand and I heard th- at least three different questions after asking very curiously about how we can reconnect and how we can keep this going and I know you touched on that we can be in a different form but um, until your center is open is there some kind of online community or a way mm. to continue the practice, you know there's dharmas you mentioned but I find myself in the morning meditating and, and not sure I'm doing it right, but going through the motions and right. there's some element of accountability and yes. activity. What would you recommend? There's an abundance. There's an abundance of of community and and resources, and you have to look for it maybe and find the one that's right for you. It's why you know us pitching this here. It's, there's an abundance. There's no shortage, and there's no shortage of people looking for it. So um, yes, there's Dharma Seed. Um, there are many community practice communities. I know in the East Bay, there's. One every week. If, you, <laughs> if you're looking for something, there's so much Dharma here in the Bay Area. San Francisco's got them. Um, uh, Spirit Rock has stuff throughout the week, different um, communities, evening practice communities, and some day stuff too through the week that's available. Um, more, more about at home because of time of child. Time. Right, how to stay connected. Um, um, Dharma Seed is a good one. There's also... Um, Oh, jackcornfield.com. <laughs> Everyone's.com. What's Gills? Oh, yeah, that, I, you could, um, Next Step Dharma, I think it's a .org. It's either .com or .org. Next Step Dharma. I think it's more geared towards people who've sat long retreat, but check it out. Um, that's an online community um, that, that just kind of is a follow-up after retreat. Um, I, I do think it's more geared towards residential, but I don't know that they're exclusive to that. You might be able to, to sign in, um, sign up for that. Um, there's tons of apps. There's tons of apps. There's Insight Timer has a, a lot of guided practices and um, 
yeah, there's a, a lot of different headspace, um, calm.com or something like that. For some reason, I'm hearing the question more as wanting community experience, not just a teaching. Maybe I heard you wrong, but um, I'm thinking that there are, there are teachers who do online, ongoing uh -huh. trainings and, and, and classes, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there, there are. I know Oren Sofer does have something that he does around um, communication. Um, and he does that online. You think Pema Chodron does? Yeah, she has a new series. Pema Chodron has a new series. Um, I know Tara Brock has done stuff in the past. I don't know if she's got anything going on right now. Um, I, think, I think through Spirit Rock's website, every now and then there's an online course that goes for weeks, but I'm not sure what's running right now, but I know that um, they've had them in the past. There's so much. <laughs> it's just Google. <laughs> but go to, you can go to Spirit Rock's website and navigate. They have um, information on there, too, that I'm probably not relaying. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so I know that feeling at the very end. It's like, oh, I'm so done. <laughs> Somewhere you are feeling that. The restlessness comes in. But let's just take one more moment. This is important. The dedication of merit. This is really important. And we come, we cultivate, it's just like I was saying, we never cultivate just for ourselves. This never ends up being for just us. The fact that we came here and spent our whole day cultivating in this way, that's important. We take a moment to acknowledge the wholesomeness of that, uh, the non-harming of that, the putting something out into the world that is really beautiful and needed right now. That the benefit of whatever was cultivated here today, that it be for us, but not limited to us. May it be for the benefit of all beings everywhere, without limitation. There might be individuals in your life right now or groups of people that come to mind that you'd like to dedicate this evening, this day to. You can bring them to mind, bring them into your heart. And if you're able to do that and just feeling that, that flow of uh, generosity and gratitude towards, you know, making, may this benefit this person or this group, uh, release the boundaries of that in your mind. May it just as easily be for the benefit of all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere, may they find happiness and contentment in their lives. May all beings be healthy in their mind and in their body. May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be free. May we all be free.
So thank you very much for being here with us. Um, I really enjoyed my time with you. I hope that our paths do cross again. Um, and if you do decide to sign up, then we'll be in touch and um, hope to see you early on in the new year. Okay. So take care, safe travel home, and thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.